This episode is brought to you by Simple Mobile. Tired of being tied down with a wireless contract? Switch to Simple Mobile and stay connected on a powerful nationwide 5G network. Unlimited talk, text, and data starts at $30 a month with no contracts, activation fees, or credit checks. Visit simplemobile.com today. Out with the old, in with the simple. Compatible 5G-capable device and SIM require. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. 5G network not available in all areas. One month equals 30 days. See terms and conditions at simplemobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the NHL on TNT. When it comes to hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs are built different. Experience the intensity and insanity on the ice and off it. Starting May 5th on TNT and TBS. Get ready for seven game rounds of knockdowns, dragouts, pressure, and agony as teams go head-to-head without ever letting up. The Stanley Cup playoffs are known for more than just a few cracked ribs and black eyes. Pushing through pain is the name of the game. With so much edge-of-your-seat action, you'll refuse to shave or change your sweater. Don't say we didn't warn you. Ready to feel the rush? Watch the Stanley Cup playoffs beginning May 5th on TNT and TBS. Good morning, honey holers. Honey holers. I think it changes every week. Yeah, honey hole hang- hangouters. Hangouters, holers. H holes. Just good morning. <laughs> good morning. H holes is the one we got. <laughs> nice to have y'all today. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it is. It's funny every time. I couldn't remember. It's funny every time. I was like, is it H holes or honey holes? It's H holes. Yeah, it's H holes. Yeah. What's up, H holes? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. We are happy you guys are listening. We have a great show today. I went to Kansas City this weekend, and you guys are going to get to hear all about that. We have a whiskey review. Zach bought an NFT. I don't know why, but we're going to talk about like it. All the cool kids. <laughs> all the cool kids, man. We have. I have. Uh, I went hog hunting too, and have a cool story about that. And uh, you have a hog article, a conservation. Yeah, corner. I do have a hog article, so yeah. it'll it'll will tie this in. And it, and then you have a creature. Yeah. So will you pronounce it? Because I'm not even going to try. Elvertreach. Okay. No, that's not as good as we were talking about. That El- was more on the Scottish side. Elvertreach. You were, there we go. <laughs> there, there it is. That more of the Alpine. Yeah. There the German. There and then we, we have a Florida man story for you guys today. But first, I'd like to introduce our sponsor. Honey Hole Angling. Hey. Oh, hey. 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 Thank you. Digging Thank deep you. in those pockets. We have, a new, we have a new product coming out soon. What is it? By the time the listeners hear this episode, I think it'll either be out or around the corner. We are releasing Steve Ramirez's second book, Casting Onward. Yep. If you go on our website and you order it, it will be a pre-order until the release date. But Steve will personally write you a note with your name on it if you pre-order before the release date. Right. After the pre-order, you're just going to get Steve's signature, which is cool, but not as cool as a personalized note from a legendary author exactly. of the Texas Hill Country. And what people don't know is that personalization says, hello, Hill." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Or the other one. Whatever. Yeah. However you want to Whatever play. Steve feels like. You know? and you, exactly. Yeah. Probably your name. So I'm crossing my fingers for Angels. So uh, we 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 only have a dozen books, and we already have like four or five pre-orders. So if you want one, you better get on it because I think they're gonna 
Get them while they're hot. I think they're going to sell out fast, so get on it. But thanks, Honey Hole Angling, for sponsoring oh, today's show. Amazing people. Yeah. Nice, amazing really. people. Man, they must have a lot. Of, those guys must have a lot of money if they're able a to. Lot of NFTs, a, a lot, lot of, of NFTs. A lot of NFTs. <laughs> so speaking of uh, NFTs, Zach. Yeah. Will you tell us about, you just bought some M- NFTs? Yeah, yeah. You know, last week I said NFTs are the stupidest thing in the face of the planet. And then this week I got an email from my San Francisco Giants. Said, hey, MLB partnered and is selling NFTs right now. So NFT, if you don't know, is a non-fungible token. But essentially it's a file, right? It's a digital, it's a digital piece of artwork. And, and you own it. Yes. And no one can steal it. No. You're sure. I mean, like, they could steal a screenshot, but the thing that changes, the thing that is important about this NFT, right, it's blockchain code that it's a file that is, a like, there's other things that are part of it, right? But with the ones I bought, they are baseball cards, essentially. Um, this company called Candy partnered with MLB to create literal packs of cards that have uh, exclusive cards in them. And you're a big baseball card guy. Yes, I love so. baseball cards, right? And so I'm sitting there. I'm looking, and obvi- and Kendall will be the first to admit, I have a big case of the FOMO, right? If I think something's, like, hot and exclusive, I'm <laughs> like, oh, man, it's got to be mine. So uh, they've made 60,000 of these packs, right? Um, they started selling them today at 11 o'clock. With all 60,000 were gone. How did you manage to sneak away and buy NFTs with your day job? Uh, well, let's just Very carefully. Very carefully. Very carefully. Right. Um, so uh, they sold out all 60,000 packs in an hour and a half, and you could only buy up to 10. I did not buy 10. I bought a few. Okay. Um, and it's it's kind of nice the way they do it. Like, you buy it, and you so you buy it, and they give you the option. You can either hold on to the unopened pack, right? And okay. the, the package, like the, the so virtual. It, it, this is a push button, like you click and it'll open it for you, yes. or you can just leave it. Exactly, right? Okay. So you, you purchase this item, and the, the first thing it looks like, and like every, it's made to make you feel nice, right? Like it's like, it is an experience buying it. And it's like this nice little like packaged little thing, and then it's like, hey, would you like to unwrap this or save it for later? And they're only selling 60,000 of them, and when they're gone, they're gone. And this is the first day this company, is, who's partnered with MLB, they've been planning this for like two years. This is the first day these packs are released. So, question. If you decided to not open the pack, uh-huh. and you were to sell that NFT later, you would be selling it as an unopened pack. You, like, if I bought an unopened pack of baseball cards, I have no clue what the baseball cards that are in there. Mm-hmm. And I came to you. And like, if I just knew the odds of what the hits would be, I could sell it to you, right? So same right. thing with so these. Right. So if there's, you're gonna know but there's a handful you, that aren't open. Once right. you open it, though, I I'm stuck with what I get. You're stuck with what you get. Right. But yeah. if you haven't opened it and it's been a year, by then you people would already know what's missing out of this group, and they would know what the odds. They could they could potentially know what the odds are. But the, however, though, nobody out there knows where I open today, unless I uh, unless I decide to share that. Oh. So there's no unless they release the right. So they don't they don't know what the one of ones are until that person either brags about it or shares it on social media or tries or to sell it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I bought those packs right, and then the second they sold out, I checked to see how much those, the unopened packs were selling for because the marketplace is right there in that like on that website. Okay. You bought it, and they tell you exactly what the market value on their market is, right? And so. The packs, the second it unsold, were selling for eighty to a hundred dollars. The unopened packs, and I paid fifty dollars for them. 
Wow, so you could have just flipped. Immediately and got a uh, 100% return on my investment. Right. Um, I did not. I opened them. <laughs> Let it ride. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, let's Let see. Let it ride. There's, there's, honestly, there's quite a few cards. Like one out of every 38 is what they call a epic card. Yeah. And those cards were selling at a minimum of $75. But these guys could actually have a breakout year. Right. And, I could, and you'll it, never know. And I could flip it and sell it, you know, like uh, Mike Trout. I mean, obviously, everybody knows Mike Trout. They have one other step up after Epic. It's called Legendary. His Legendary card, which is a one of one NFT, sold for like seven grand today. Oh god! So when I say there's money, there is more money in these NFT baseball cards than there are in physical baseball cards. Now, please note, please note, this isn't <laughs> this isn't this isn't the picture all the time. No, not at <laughs> all. Before we say go and spend all your no, money no, on no, this. No, 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 no. Let me buy them all <laughs> before no, uh, <laughs> before yeah, before next week, Zach's here. Hey, uh, you want to buy me this lunch? Is not, yeah. This is not professional investing advice. Yeah, exactly. No, Thank you. Not, yes. this is, <laughs> disclaimer: <laughs> I, We are not. A, we are no, fishermen doing yes. a fishing yes. podcast. Yes. Thank you. And Zach, Zach bought some NFTs. This is one hundred percent. I love baseball. I love baseball cards. People have been talking about NFTs for the last year, realistically, yeah. and I was like, you know what? I want to be a part of the first baseball card NFT like that's officially licensed by MLB, you know? And so, like, I have part of that history. Yeah. You know, I have 15 cards that were part of right. that, you know? Um, and so I got a couple of good cards, a couple of good pulls, a few that are worth about 20 bucks, but then I got one epic card that is worth around 110 last time I checked, and that's actively what it sells right now. Um, are you going to sell it or are you going to hold? You know what? It's the only one I got like that, and so I'll probably hold on to it. Unless he has either an outstanding year, win some sort of thing, or I'll hold it until he retires and sell then it. sell it for much more money. When it, or not. Yeah, Because by then, we'll all be in the metaverse. That's right. And that might not even, they yeah. might not even care. I mean, yeah. So who knows? Hmm. But either way, it was cool. It was exciting. I'm not going to go spend a ton of money on NFTs. You know, I think they're kind of gimmicky. Well, there's a lot of fraud associated with NFTs. I've been reading, and yeah. I, when you when it's officially licensed by the MLB, that's one thing. Exactly. So yeah. I could get on board with right. that, and that's the only. But I read why I articles it. about like celebrities like f- promoting fraudulent NFTs yeah. all the time, and I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not I, I would not. I would not. I would never buy NFTs unless it came from something like the MLB. I'm well, like, I did my research. Like, I was like. Yeah, is this true? Money. Is yeah. this happening? You know, and it it is pretty legit. I mean, like, and like I'm probably gonna put a couple of my dud cards on there just to make five or six bucks on each card, you know, and we'll see what that so process looks what's like. What's the coolest card, baseball, basketball card that you have in your collection at the moment? So I did. I bought a personal like a uh, collection item like two weeks ago. I bought a Brandon Crawford. Who is a shortstop for the Giants? He's the like, probably the best shortstop to ever play for the Giants. Um, and he currently plays for them. I bought an auto relic card, so it has his signature on the card, yeah. and it also has a he actually signed it, or it's like a replica of his signature. No, he actually signed it. Okay. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he, he actually signed it, and. It has a relic, which is a piece of game worn memorabilia. So yeah. his jersey and this one that I bought has it's a piece of the pinstripe that goes down the front of the jerseys, and so it's like it's not just a like a single colored patch. That's it's cool. it has the pinstripe that runs through the patch, and it's one of twenty five. Yeah, I was going through uh, an old box of like 
90s hoops cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw one, and I, I can't remember where the story came up, uh, but I forget. It's a New York, Nick, New York Knicks player, and the picture of him, he's about to shoot. The baseline's right behind him, and there's a couple of people sitting there. There's two guys that are sitting behind him, and it just so happens to be the infamous Melendez brothers uh-huh. sitting courtside in that picture of that car. Cool. I never think to check who's like behind him in certain things. It's just a crazy car. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's a crazy. There's card. always certain car, like certain uh, teams that, that would happen for it, right? Like Yankees, probably one Cubs, and then like the Knicks. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of cool cards. One in particular that's my favorite that I don't have is. Um, Cal Ripken Jr.'s brother. Uh-huh. Um, what's that dude's name? Um, Billy Billy Ripken? It sounds familiar. Right? Mm-hmm. So he's holding a bat, and if you know this one, he's holding the bat on the bottom of the bat. It says F-Face. I've seen this. I have seen that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's, it's a real deal. He's yeah. sitting there smiling at the camera, and it just says F-Face. Yeah. Dirty word, face, on the bottom of it <laughs> that you can see and any other kid can see on that card. Yeah. Oh, I do. It makes me laugh. Uh, but I did get a signed baseball over the weekend. Okay. So uh, there's a new brewery up in Burning, and it's called Free Rome Brewing. And um, it's got, like, the coolest logo. Because, like, we were driving through Burning the other day, and I told Kendall, I was like, oh, that's the coolest logo I've ever seen. It's a buffalo, but the buffalo's face is made out of a hop. Okay. So it's, like, one big hop, and it's, like, at the face. Oh, that's cool. And so I looked him up on Instagram, and I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever, right? And so I'm flipping through Instagram. And all of a sudden, I see the guy, uh, the owner's like, um, like he didn't post his face. He just said, I want to thank my teammate for sending us some coffee for our opening launch day at the brewery, you know. And the teammate was Hunter Pence. And he was a giant for years. He was also an Astro and a Ranger. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what if this is a Giants player? And I do a little more digging, and turns out it's Jeremy Affelt, who was on the Giants from 2009 to 2015, all three World Series he was a part of. And he pitched Game 7 of their 2014 win. So uh, we went to the brewery for opening day on last Friday and uh, watched the Giants game with him, and he signed a baseball for me. Uh, three times World Series champ, Jeremy Affel. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so I, that was like... Did you take a baseball? I did, because yeah. I knew he owned it, and I've been there. I, this, they make really, really good beer, but also, like, I was like, I got to run into him one day, you know? Yeah. And so... Uh, I knew they were doing a big Giants kickoff party for opening day. And so I went I went and bought a ball. And, um, yeah, I was like, I was a little nervous. I was more nervous than I thought I was going to be, you know. And I was nice. like, hey, I was like, I'm a big Giants fan, you know. Anyway, you can sign a, uh, a baseball for me. And he was like, yeah, no problem, you know. So nice. he signed it, and it was, oh, man. It's it's up there on my mantle. It's, it's a nice, like, I, I'm pretty proud yeah. of it. It's pretty neat. Speaking of baseball. Have you heard of the Savannah Bananas? Heck I love yeah. the Savannah Dude, Bananas. I want to go to a game so yes. I want to go to a Savannah Bananas game. And the party animals. Game. Yeah. 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 I, saw, I, I saw like a video on Instagram. I was like, what is this? Oh, this the looks yeah. like the, the Flaming Bat. Yeah, yeah. HBO yeah. Sports had a, had a write-up on or like a, you know, a, a show about them. Dude, oh, it's just the coolest. So thing. it seems like to me the Savannah Bananas isn't really a minor league. I would say more amateur. So they are, yes. They are an amateur They're, league. So they are technically a minor league team. But they're more like it's like a collegiate team. So like when college players aren't playing for their teams, they play for the Bananas. Okay. And they do like – it's all about the show. It's very much about the show. They play the same team every day or every game, and they play the party animals. So it's kind of like a Harlem Globetrotter 
esque style show. Yep. And if you are in the stands and catch a foul ball, it counts as an <laughs> yeah. out. Yep. Yeah. And they have like weird rules that are like super fun. Yep. And the bananas or the party animals, if they go up by a run, there's something that happens where they can actually remove a run and they can end up losing. It's like if if the banana who hits a home run or something decides to run the opposite direction or something like that. So it's it's like it's goofy stuff like that. But I want to go to a Savannah Bananas game oh, me too. so bad. They yeah. sell out like sell, immediately. Yeah. immediately. Oh, do they? Yeah, because yeah. but still learn, like it's oh, it'd be so much fun to go. It'd be worth like I'm sure you can buy a ticket on StubHub or something. Oh, yeah. and then go. Yeah, it'd be worth it. Oh yeah, yeah. So I've been checking them out on Instagram, and the umps are so funny and uh-huh. like, uh, I want to go so bad. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, what are we drinking tonight? We have got. Then we've actually already emptied the bottle. We're almost done with it. <laughs> it's good. Um, it is Heaven's Door straight bourbon whiskey. Um, again, uh, distilled age, siren life in Tennessee. Uh, the whiskey is a non-chill filtered uh, to preserve its mature flavors. The result is smooth, lasting, smooth and lasting. Excuse me, with notes of vanilla and baking spice layered over a bed of toasted oak. It's sweet. It is toasted oak for sure. Mm-hmm. Ninety-two proof. Um, what do you guys think? I well, I have an empty glass, and I've had two drinks. Yeah, this was part of a this was part of a tasting set, but it's not a normal like two ounce tasting set. This is uh, a like pretty fifty. Yeah, it's a pretty decent size bottle. I mean, two hundred milliliters. Okay. I mean, we all had a nice generous pour. Yeah, I had two drinks worth, and did a little bit extra. Yeah, I'm and feeling like, good. And you're not one to typically like pound them like this. So. No, that's like the first one I've actually put down. So you really like this stuff. Yeah, it's great. It yeah. reminds me of Eagle Rare. It reminds me it of of uh, of the Smoke Wagon Straight. Um, dude, it's nice. It it's is not nice. bad. Ten out of ten. Now I can't really I, would recommend. I I, see, I like it, but I don't think it's like. Ten out of ten. Would no. for a daily sipper, and this is like this was on can the you, shelf. Can you buy this? Yes, on the shelf? you can buy this now. They have a bootleg version, which is usually locked up, three hundred and something bucks. Uh, it comes with, uh, and this is part. This is kind of a mix of some guys from the Angel Envy stuff and Bob Dylan. So it's a it's a Thank kind of a. Um, uh, collaboration, if you will. So that's why it's called Heaven's Door. That's why it calls Heaven's Door. Now you're knocking on it. I'm s- still trying to figure out where they're sourcing their stuff. It does say it's distilled in Tennessee, and there there's been stories recently that they were trying to get a distillery going, but obviously f- to get the age uh, on it, I think this was at least like six or eight years. So they're sourcing it from somewhere right now, um, and I don't know. Don't know from who. Uh, from who. I felt like at one time they were getting it from MGP. Not that it matters. So I love MGP stuff, um, but uh, I mean, again, the price on this, I think, maybe it's like forty bucks for a seven. For a seven fifty. I don't think it's that expensive. It's not that expensive. Um, but this is and delicious. You can find it pretty easily. You can find this yep. really easy. Yeah, like I said, the, their higher end one, that bootleg version, that comes in a book. It's a whole presentation thing. That one's over three fifty, um, which I think has a a blend of like twelve and fifteen year whiskeys in it, um, but this one and, and it, each year comes out a new one, a new version or you know limited series run. But for the price, I mean, like I said, sub fifty bucks. I don't think it's any more than sixty for a seven fifty. I, I really think it's around that forty five. Um, but still, this is good. You guys, okay, you guys don't think it's not hot because it doesn't burn my throat, but you guys don't think it's a little. Hot for being 92? 
So like it's, we, it's like almost like it's gripping my my tongue in a way that's kind of stopping me from getting. The it flavor. reminds me a lot of Elijah Craig, the just a regular Elijah, uh-huh. Elijah Craig, batch. where you drink it and it's there's like not much to it, and you get a little kick after, but there's not complexity. There's not really so much taste on it. It's a little yeah. sweet, but then when you try the toasted barrel, the Elijah Craig toasted barrel, you get that sweetness. You get that. So this reminds you more of the toasted barrel. This reminds me of like a toasted barrel. Mm-hmm. You're getting a little bit more more taste to it. It's not just a bland whiskey that's yeah. just whiskey. It's one of the best smelling whiskeys I've ever smelled. Like it smells amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and the taste is not bad. I do not want anybody to t- mm. take that away. The taste is good. For the price point, I mean, I I think, so was it last week or the week before we had that top floor, which was like $15 um, from uh, from Benchmark. That was one that we didn't like? It was okay, but it was a $15 risky, right? Right, you right? can't argue with 15 bucks. Yeah, but if you could find it, it's already, you know, it's already been sold out yeah. I mean, as soon as it hit the shelf. But this one, I mean... If you had someone that liked Bob Dylan who didn't really know care about anywhere where they're getting their bourbon from, and you're like, "Hey, this is a collaboration with." with oh yeah, him. This, and this is a good, especially if this is around forty bucks. This is a good gift. Exactly, yeah. like yeah. good. And I wouldn't mind that we opened up there and drank. Right, like I'd feel fine to being like, "Yeah, we have in here is good." Yep, exactly. Yeah. No, I do think it's good. I think it, it's, and it could be that I had like a super sweet. You know, yeah, it's got that before this too, okay. and that could have been like changing the there, palette. But. There, it there's that little fruit forwardness to it, and again because it's sweet and because you can taste it. Again, some of these other ones we've had, I felt like, and especially anything around that thirty dollar mark, it's not, it's not sweet. It's just it's just whiskey. Yeah, but this you've got some taste to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Landon sits there enjoying the day, I'm glazed over. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the glow. I don't that got second it. pour, you're like, anybody want the rest of this? And, and they're like, no. no. And nope. I was like, okay, here we go. Done. No, I like it. <laughs> Done. Um. So I went to Kansas City this weekend. Yeah, tell us about it. You guys want to hear all about it? I do. Did you meet Patrick Mahomes? I did not. Mahomes. <laughs> then don't tell us. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I met a lot of very excited Kansas University basketball fans, though. Nice. Mm. Oh, yeah. The hell yeah. Is going on. Yeah. Oh wait. So okay. So Kansas City barbecue is is that like what white gravy? What is this? What's what did they have up there? Did you what did you eat? Did you? I did get not. Cool? I did not do a barbecue place because it's not like so pork, me, right? It's let, not pork. Pork is like Tennessee, Tennessee and yeah. Carolinas. Yeah. So okay, let me walk you guys through the whole story. So I've been on the market for a new truck because we got the travel trailer, like I talked about on a previous episode. Yep. And my truck wasn't really cutting it, even though on paper it did. In reality, it took me about 20 minutes to get from zero to 60. Mm. And then it was a struggle. So um, I've been on the market for a new truck. uh, And, you know, I kind of – I had a budget. I didn't want to go over a certain limit. And I was looking in Texas, and the market is crazy here, especially especially for for trucks. trucks. And so I started expanding my search radius further and further and further away from Texas. I found a truck in Louisiana that I actually showed you guys last week, but that dealership apparently didn't want to make a sale, and they pissed me off enough. I'm not going to go into it, but they pissed me off enough to where I didn't end up getting that truck. So I had a backup truck in mind that was the same year, make, and model, same truck, different color, same mileage. And it was like 500 bucks more expensive, so not a not a huge price difference. But it was in Kansas City, so I called them up. Those guys wanted to make a sale. They were willing to work with me even though I was out of state. So I called them up and uh, worked with their uh, sales manager 
and got a deal done. And I flew after work on Friday. You, you had a deal done before you got on the plane. I had signed the papers before I got on the plane. So now, the, the truck deal, was yours. The deal, no, it wasn't mine. The deal was that uh, basically if I went up there and I test drove it and I didn't like it, I could walk away. Gotcha. I had not officially done the financing. Gotcha. Because what I did not do is I did not trade my vehicle in, so I had to finance it because I was going to sell my vehicle right. in a hot Texas market as opposed to driving up there and so doing that. So yeah. I'm like working the I'm working the market basically. Yeah, you, got, you got to. Right now so, you'd be a fool not to. Yeah. So buy a discounted vehicle in Kansas City and then sell my truck in Texas for a higher price. So uh Anyway, I had we we had worked a deal where. Sorry, we're looking at the dogs. Of the yeah, cat. my dog one. and cat—they're like going at <laughs> it. They're having a stare down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that cat does not like our dog. Oh, Kimmy looks a little scared. Right now, Landon and Zach were looking at me, and their back is towards the door. Gabe was like staring at something, and, and like, it wasn't and me like, who was speaking. Like, oh my god, that cat's gonna—the cat's gonna punch him in the face. Gimli just wants to be outside with us so bad. Anyway, it's so I'm adorable. sorry. Sorry, we're good. They're okay. alive. So um, basically I could walk away if I didn't like it, but I felt pretty confident. I ran the car. I bought the Carfax. They sent me the auto check, which is like the same thing as Carfax. Uh-huh. So I could see the service records and everything like that. They told me, you know, uh, the work that they had done on it. It actually sat on their lot for a while um, waiting on parts because they were going to replace a couple things. And so it sat there for a couple months while they were waiting on parts. They were very upfront and honest about everything about the truck. And so, and they wanted to make a sale and work with me. So I flew up there and I flew on work after work on Friday. My flight got delayed at my layover in Denver and I got to Kansas City at 2 a.m. on Saturday. Oh, dude. So what'd you do? Um, yeah, I, I had to deal with the layover. Like, I sat in the airport for a couple hours. Wow. So then you got there at 2 a.m. I got so there at 2 a.m. There were no – my plan was to Uber and Lyft to the hotel. Guess what's not – guess who's not driving Uber and Lyft at 2 a.m.? Apparently everyone in Kansas City. Oh, that's good to know. So I got into a pickle, and I was like – there was a guy who was trying to get an Uber right next to me, and I was trying to get Lyft at the same time. And we were even, like, talking about, like, ride-sharing because it was so hard to get a vehicle. Yeah. I could not get a lift, and then Uber was quoting him $120 to go to his hotel. Dang. What? Because apparently there were no drivers, so hey. like surge pricing. Supply and demand, yeah. So I was like, man, it's 2 a.m. How am I going to get to the hotel? And so I— No taxis either? Well, no, they had uh, taxi phones. So I was like, oh, let me go check it out. Pick up the phone. It dials to the dispatcher. They're like, we know what door you're at based on the phone. Yep. We'll be there in five minutes. Oh, yeah, nice. taxi is the way to go. And it was like a buck fifty a mile plus like yeah. five or ten bucks. So at what time did you wake up in your hotel without your liver? <laughs> or was it your kidney? See, without you, your kidney. Yeah. See, you think the ta- <laughs> I feel like Uber would be much more likely to do that than tax. Taxi goes through like ten I'll, different I'll, red I'll, layers. I'll, of, I'll tell you uh, what, the taxi driver I had was pretty sketch. And I've never been with like a sketchy Uber or Lyft driver. Like they've all been like decent vehicles, right? And see, like, I, don't, I don't mind taking a taxi. And the taxi driver, <laughs> one, one star the review, vehicle was, I lost a kidney. <laughs> I lost a kidney. The taxi Would vehicle was like felt like it was barely drivable, right? Wow. Like yeah. So anyway, but it was. I got to my hotel, checked in, and then I actually slept until like I slept until like ten. 
I told them I told them I'd be at the dealership at like yeah when they opened at nine. But I slept until ten. I woke up to like a missed call and a text. Hey, when are you gonna come by? And I was like, Hey, my flight got in at two a.m. I didn't get to bed till like two thirty. Still in the uh, I'm at the hotel. In they're the like tub and ice. Yeah, they're like. <laughs> I, I still on the tub with ice. My I, back hurts a little bit. I'm like, yeah. So, and they're like, "Would you like us to come pick you up?" I'd be like, "Perfect." So yeah. the dealership came and picked me up. Perfect. The sales guy, the dealership that actually wanted to make a sale. That's cool available. that they came and actually got you though. Yeah. Like and it was like 20 miles from the dealership. Oh, so that's nice. It was like all the way across. Yes, yeah, so I mean, much. like that's you know, it's not a long drive, but it's a drive. Yeah. Good customer service. So the sales, yeah, exactly. the sales guy came and picked me up. Um. So and he was super nice. And uh, we got a deal. I test drove it. It was a clean truck. We got a deal done. And then while I was talking to them at the dealership, they were saying that uh, I was like, man, I might, I kind of want to hit up some Kansas City barbecue on my way out. Okay. Where's the place to go? Uh-huh. And they said that there's this, I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but they're like, there's this restaurant. And I was like, well, what's the situation? Because I'm late. Yeah. Because I thought I'd be here at 9, and really I didn't get here to like, 10 30 11 i'm two hours behind my drive time uh-huh. so i didn't want to go somewhere that was gonna take a lot and they're like oh this place is so good but but i'm like what's the situation can i go and order yeah can i go and i don't mind walking in like most barbecue places here are rudy style right you walk in there might be a short line maybe wait five ten minutes but it's you not. order a window they put the meat on a tray you go sit yeah. down you eat and then you sometimes leave. the line looks longer than it really is yes i was cool with that situation but they're like no this is a sit down restaurant i'm like a sit down restaurant for barbecue like yeah you sit down at the table they bring you the menu oh, okay they take your order and i was like i'm i'm not dealing with that i'm 2 hours behind well, that's uh that's um uh, the one Bla- uh, uh, blackboard blackboard does the same thing right they have a menu out and they order yeah yeah, okay. Yeah, Blackboard's like that. Yeah. But as a guy like trying to get back to Texas from Kansas City. Yeah. You're like, hey, I don't know. So I just hit the road. I just Whataburger hit, it is. Whataburger. No, no, I didn't see a Whataburger. So I, I just grabbed, like, actually grabbed some stuff at a gas station and hit the road. Um, drove through Kansas. Kansas was apparently on fire because I drove through smoke for, like, two hours. Yeah. And then both sides of the highway were, like, black. Like, they had recently been burned. I did see so a couple interesting things about driving through Kansas. Number one, they have cattle crossing bridges. What? They're what? not roads. Wow. They're bridges designed for cattle, so the cattle can cross the highway. The second interesting thing. Wait, about, not okay. So not that they not that they can't cross it. It allows them to cross it. It allows them to cross the highway. Oh, okay. And they're not roads that vehicles can take over. They're specifically for cattle, huh. which was interesting. Fact number two. The gas station exits are on the left, and they're in the middle of the highway. So you exit left, and if the other side of the highway exits left, it's one building in the middle, and you don't have to, like, go over an overpass yeah. and, like, cross over to, like, hit a gas station. Huh. So it saves the cost of a bridge, sure, yeah. basically. Isn't it uh, all flat over there anyway? It's, it's all relatively flat, yeah. Okay. But that's, that's still pretty – I mean, it makes it easier. I spent the road trip like calling family and stuff I haven't talked to in a while, and they're like, "What are you doing?" <coughs> I'm like, "I'm checking out these Kansas mountain views." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, quick, quick shout out to He's Brian nice to, to Brian Little from Sabine. If you've ever watched some of this stuff, <coughs> and I I've tried it once at the gas station uh, that is you know stop and goes. He's taking the bun and putting it on the rollers to warm the bun. I've tried it once. It was a pretty good hack. Hmm. It was a pretty good hack. I mean, I'm not, I don't usually eat 
hot dog gas station stuff very often, but but when you do, but uh, it's I don't know, it's kind of kind of a you know, you toast the bun, and then you get your dried hot dog that's been there for eight hours. Nice. Um, what other so uh, Kansas? Pretty much the whole time I was in Kansas, I was on a toll road. Okay. Okay. And then uh, I got a ticket when I got on the highway. Ugh. And no, Wait. no, like I got a ticket, like toll road ticket. Oh, oh. So oh yeah. I, I, I know. To, I was like, wow, hey, man. I had to like leave pull, with them. never going to I Kansas had, again. I, had, <laughs> I had to like pull over, grab a ticket, okay. right? And then I kept thinking, like, when's this toll road going to end? I was on this toll road for like three hours. Right. Dude. And then, like, at the end, right before I get on uh, I 35 and pretty much take I 35 the rest of the way. I like I had to like pull over and it's like cash only exit. I'm like, oh shit, I don't have cash. Am I gonna be screwed? What'd you do? Oh no, they shook took cards. his money maker. Yeah, no, they always do. <laughs> they, they, they they took cards. I was nervous though because like the sign said cash only. I'm like, I don't have cash, and it was like a seventeen dollar bill. Oh man! But I was on the Kansas toll roads for like God, like three hours. Yeah, it's weird. Like even on the Austin ones and out there, it's like it's weird not seeing anyone in there. You know, because now it's all, we'll just send it to you in the mail. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, no one and like, so, in all my so other vehicles, I have the easy tag from yeah. Houston. Gotcha. The easy tag works for all Texas toll roads. It works for Oklahoma and Kansas toll roads. But I bought a new vehicle, so I didn't have the easy yeah. tag on there. So I had to deal with the old school way. Is that easy tag, like, just stuck to one car? It, it's uh, stuck to the windshield. Yep. So, so you can't, uh, you, like, because I want to get one because Kendall's parents live in, um, live in Houston now, and there are a million yeah. toll roads. And I'm like, I wish we could just get one and share it between our cars. No, you have to get one for each car. I know. But it doesn't cost anything extra to get one for each car. You just add your car to your app on your mobile phone, and they'll just mail you another one. You stick it to, okay. to each car. So it's not like a huge deal. Because my work, I have to have one. And so and we rotate through vehicles pretty often. And so, you know, I just order another one, and it's super yeah, easy. It's super easy. So I drove to my mom's house. She lives north of Fort Worth. So I went from Kansas City to north of Fort Worth. Okay. And my brother and I, Aaron, went hog hunting. I got in super late, and we went hog oh, hunting. Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. So and? here's the hog story. Here we go. We didn't shoot any hogs, but, <laughs> but uh, funny story, we took my truck out. Brand new, tr- not new truck. I bought a used vehicle, but like new truck to me. No, it's new. Yeah, no. And we were driving through a gate, and I was looking, and I was like, Aaron, that spot looks really wet. And I was like... And it was, like, through this gate. So I was like, do you guys, like, go on the left? Do you go around on the right? What's the deal? He's like, oh, no, it just looks wet, but it's dry. <laughs> well, so I just, like, drive straight through. And what do you know? Of course it's not dry. It's super wet. So, like, I got to test the four-wheel drive out on the truck, like, okay. right away legitimately because I, like, drove well, that's into what it. That's what you want to do. You want to do yeah. that. So I, like, drove into it, and then, like, my tires were spinning out. on the tires. And my tires were spinning out. And I was like, oh, okay, let's pop in four-wheel drive. Got right out. So, nice. Yeah, so I got to test the four-wheel drive legitimately. Day one, but thanks, Aaron, for like misleading. But me. I'm still, I'm sure, like <laughs> getting to that point where you're like, oh crap, here we go. I'm sure it brought everything full circle from you yeah. having to try and the two o'clock, all of that, no barbecue. I was, and- I was, and I was kind of disappointed by the barbecue thing, but I was pretty wiped out. But Aaron wanted to go hog hunting. Plus, they have some rifles with the uh, not night vision, not infrared. But what are the night vision like? The night vision IR. Scopes? Yeah, infrared. infrared. Well, it's infrared. infrared. No, no. Well, it's yeah. Infrared. Uh, Is there another one? It's like the white on black. Oh. Um. Yeah. Eh. Well, yeah. It's not infrared, but it's yeah. Yes. It's, yeah. it's cheaper than it because infrared's super expensive. It's yeah. like the cheaper version of infrared. Was it like an ATN or was it something else? I don't remember. Was it I, I should know. Sightmark? No, there's another one. I, I should know, but uh. 
But still, you it had one though. Super cool yeah. to actually like hunt with that and like look through them. And did that like, one have like the secondary window when you're looking? Because these aren't necessarily scopes so much as you're looking at a monitor. You were looking at a monitor, like it refreshed every right. like fifteen seconds, and like the screen would go black, and then it would refresh. But the there's feed. another one I've seen, and I can't remember it. Pulsar, one of them has it, where you're you have the main the main square that you're looking at, and then above it has like a wider view, so you can you you and it's got targets on both in this view, and so if you you got that that closer target, so you know where you're hitting, and then you can look at the top one real quick as they're running and kind of re you know. Recenter real quick. No, these did not have that. Okay, I think that's Pulsar. One of those. It's a really cool option. To it's have. cool technology. Oh yeah. We didn't see any hogs though. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's we right. Were, I got there pretty late, and the feeders hey, had already hey, gone off. It wasn't a wasted trip because he got to use his four wheel drive. Yeah, exactly. I got to use the four wheel drive. I got to check out a new scope. I will say though, like looking at those sco- scopes is super bright, yeah. and like then pulling off of it, like took a long time for my eyes to adjust. So, but the, it was uh, it was it was cool technology. It was it was cool to do that. I just like to get out there, like when the feeders are going off, and they have a real hot. Yeah. Aaron was like bragging. He's like, he goes hunting a lot, like maybe a couple times every week. He's like, I have only not shot a hog two times, and you were there one of those two or three times. I though. and that was the third. <laughs> so like, and he's like always shooting hogs. So. Um, of course, that happens when I drive up, but we'll I'll I'll get it with him next time and take those rifles out. It was it was it was cool, and I drove home on Sunday, and then I'm working on selling my <laughs> other truck. So Dude, I got a new I got a new truck. If, in case anybody's wondering, it's a 2016 Nissan Titan. Titan Cummins Turbo Diesel. That's right. It was nice. Five point lead. Five point oh liter. Had that nice VA. little diesel. I like it. Yeah. Diesel prices are kind of crazy, but what what is the cost per gallon right now? Like four fifty ish. Oh no, no, mm-hmm. four fifty. Yeah, but you're balling in that truck. So it's you are balling. Well, in the and truck also still. diesel gets better gas mileage, so that's a plus. What's your gas mileage? Like twenty? I got uh, like on the way home, I was getting about eighteen, but I was also mm. flying. And it's also nice when you have a company car too. So you're fine. yeah, they yeah. average yeah. they average <laughs> eighteen. Fill up like once every what three weeks. I, they average like eighteen to twenty miles bad. per gallon. But, like, I know a gas motor that size for the same size truck I have that gets, like, 15, 14, yeah, maybe 15. Maybe something like 12. Yeah. Like yeah. 12 and 17, something crazy. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. That's all right, man. It looks, so, dude, it's a, it's yeah, a It does look truck. good. And and for, again, for all the hoops and all the hassle and the thing not working out in Louisiana, you got to be you gotta be pretty excited. I'm happy. Yeah. It's sw- Especially it's right now in this market, like, to yeah. walk away. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you guys. You know, it's a hot market. People don't want to buy vehicles. There's no vehicles to buy. If you just work the system a little bit and you're willing to, like, go outside the box. Because I had never, like, thought about traveling to buy a vehicle. But my mom and stepdad do it all the time. Really? And I was talking to them about tips and tricks and, like, questions I should ask the dealership. What about, like, TTL? How do they do that? You have to title it and tax it when when you get here? Well, it depends on the dealership. Gotcha. So the dealership I bought from, they do not do any of the titling and taxes. If you're out of state. If you're out of state, yeah. so they they mail you all the documentation, so you and then go. you have to go, and I have to go pay taxes on it. Gotcha. Now, um, on the other place in Louisiana, I was looking. You pay the Louisiana sales tax, and then you pay the difference of that state versus Texas when you register in Texas. So, like Texas vehicle sales tax is six point two five percent. Yep. 
let's just say uh, Louisiana, I don't know what Louisiana is, but let's say it's 5%. So I pay the 5% Louisiana sales tax, and then when I bring it here, I have to pay the 1.25% difference. Oh, okay. And if I overpay in Louisiana, let's say there's a 7, Texas will refund me. Cool. So, but that's not how it, it depends on the dealership and where you're and buying. And where you're at and what the deal What is. the rules and stuff like that are. Gotcha. So I'll have to pay all the sales, I'll have to pay the sales tax. Because yeah, I imagine like in Louisiana, Texas, they might make it a little bit easier because it's, you know. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of interesting. But I'll just, when I get the paperwork, I'll just go in and get it registered and no problems there. Nice. But I like the truck. It's clean. It's clean. Going to make some upgrades and it'll be a nice trailer hauling fishing it's machine. It's missing stickers. That's all you're missing. That's true. Yeah, bunch of stickers. Yeah, you know a big Salt Life sticker in the Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a couple of um, uh, Takara, the eyelashes. Oh, ooh, on the ooh, in the front. Yes, yeah. the front. You know, we yeah. Yeah. we have an untapped area of the car we haven't even messed with the front. Oh, how yeah. about the uh, H hole sticker? Oh, I don't know how that's yeah. gonna look when you go into Houston, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 You're looking weird, but yeah, that's awesome. No, that's dude. That's yeah. Solid. I'm pumped. Right. It'll be nice. Hopefully that motor will last me a couple hundred thousand miles. And and you can pull whatever you can set your mind on. Yeah. You're like, hey, no, no. Not I whatever I can set my mind on, but I, I can this. pull. I can yeah. definitely pull my trailer and most things. You guys want to move that house? I got this. <laughs> 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 Just hook me up right. We got it. <laughs> Chain me good. Mm. Everyone, I, everyone I know has a red truck now. Giant, I don't, but. I don't either. But no, yeah, we're don't. working on No, but my dad, <laughs> my dad just bought a new uh, red truck. truck. Ford F-150, and it's red. And then my father-in-law has a red truck, yeah. so I guess it runs in the family. Have you guys ever been to a uh, a tractor pull? Uh, I went to one. I feel I've like, where was it? One. It was like in Lytle or something. Yeah. One of those little, like... Do you know what they are? Do you know what they are? Oh, I know what they are. Yeah. I've just never been to one. If you don't know what they are, you take two big tractors, and you strap them together, and yeah. you see which one pulls the other one. Yeah. You said, because when we were kids, we lived in Bernie, and we'd go up to, like, you know, more in the hill country and go to tractor pulls and stuff. And um, I just, every time somebody talks about, like, strapping things or, like, hooking it up right, I mean, this one guy who uh, was sitting behind us, and this guy kept trying to hook the tractors together, but he kept missing and missing. And all of a sudden, this guy behind me yells, strap it up right, sit a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and now that's in my mind every time somebody says, hook it up, strap it up, connect yeah. it up. Dude, those little little small town, oh, like, man. Fairs? What would, get, what would we call them? Fair, not no. It'd be like know. a. It's like a gathering. Like it would be like a festival or or rodeo. I feel like that's or, something that the Rattlesnake Roundup was missing. They have everything else. Tractor pull. So the Rattlesnake Roundup in Sweetwater, which is what Sweetwater is known for, yeah. is the Rattlesnake Show. They have a gun show attached to it. They have a fair. And but they're missing a tractor pull. Oh yeah, tractor pulls are fun. They are. There's something special about them. It's kind of like yeah. a home run. Not a home run. I, um. What are they called? Uh, smashing cars? What are they called? Yeah, like uh, the uh, car derby. Or, yeah, uh, why can't I not remember that? Oh, man. Demolition derby. Demolition, demolition derby. derby. Have you been to one of those? I have not. Those oh, are pretty fun. Those are fun, man. I would love to go to demolition yeah. derby. Yeah. Or did you guys ever go to the, or did you ever go to the dirt track in Lubbock? Mm-mm. Oh, man. I, I went took, to one. There was a, there's one outside of San Antonio. Yeah. I think I've gone to that one. Yeah, I took Kendall on to the dirt track for like our second date. In Lubbock. It was great. I sealed the deal. Oh, man. She was like, this is what you're going to bring me to forever? That sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Dollar hot dogs and $2 sodas? Oh, sold. man. Exactly. And there's Dang. a sign that says, especially no cursing. And I'm like, oh, wow. Here we are. 
All right. <laughs> let's uh I got a Florida man article. Ooh. Florida man? No fooling. All right. It's kinda like hold my beer. All right. You know what I'm saying. It's just Florida man. That's all it is. <laughs> We haven't heard from Woodtip in a while. I hope he's doing okay. Woodtip, if you're listening, send us send us an audio clip. A little something. something. Also, any of our listeners can send us an audio clip if they have a question, comment, concern, or interesting story. If they send us an audio clip, they can email it to us. Our emails in the description below. Yeah. What's the What's the craziest uh, uh, sports card you have? Sports memorabilia card. Oh yeah. See, right? Do you be interested to see what people have? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about your sports card stuff. I don't know. So, uh, did you buy NFTs? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I've already lost all my money. Oh, all right. It's all gone. They were worth nothing. Now. They were worth nothing. <laughs> so a Florida team. Okay, here's what happened. Florida man story. Basically, I may just give you guys a rundown and not read the article. Basically, two teens were like, hey, have you ever been shot while wearing a bulletproof vest? Oh gosh! Oh, that's a question I ask a lot. I know. Did they get this answer? So it'd be like it'd be like if me and Gabe were like, "Hey, Gabe, I have this bulletproof vest." Okay. So would you want to shoot each other? I already while have we it on. Each wearing it. I already have it on. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's go. So two teens strapped up in a, you know, had Kevlar had, a, had a bulletproof vest, and they're like, "Hey, I wonder what it's like feels like to be shot while wearing a bulletproof vest." That's awesome. So teen one. Let's call him Joe. Joe. Poor Joe. Joe puts on the bulletproof vest. His buddy, Brad. I'm going to go Trevor. Trevor and Brad. Those seem like Florida man guys. Trevor Trevor and Brad. Brad. I like it. So Brad puts on a bulletproof vest. His buddy, Trevor, handgun, shoots him in the chest. Let's see how far. Uh, they were very close. Okay. Yeah, like I would say seven feet. Oh god. Yeah, because yeah. you know I would probably ask the same thing because like I don't know how your aim is past like five feet. <laughs> exactly let's, right. Let's like, keep it close. Exactly. Yeah. I know it's there. Yeah. We want and then again, some the safety. You get to. We want some safety to this though. It is a Florida man. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. So, uh, <laughs> they you know he shoots him. Nothing happens, right? Uh, who who is wearing it? Brad. Brad comes away. You're like. Yep. Unscathed, basically. Dude, so high fiving each other. He, he, this is awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, man, I didn't yeah. feel a thing. <laughs> thing, bro. So he takes it off, uh-huh. gives it to his buddy Trevor, okay. and then Brad shoots him, but decides to go a little extra crazy and shoots him four times. What instead of one time? Come on, Brad. So awesome. Uh, and this is where the story turns south uh, that uh, Trevor died as a result of his uh, injuries. Okay, but okay, so did they say how many times he was? I understand he pulled the trigger four times, but how many times was he shot? And where? Four like times? stomach? Uh, did it go through the vest? Like, did it say? It, it doesn't clarify. <laughs> I can see it. Uh, it, oh, so what the article goes into is that there are actually three people involved. Oh. And so someone was videoing, and then there was some lying to police involved about what actually happened. My understanding, when I before I read the article, I had heard the story on a podcast or on the radio or something, and uh, that basically, like, number one, bulletproof vests are one-time use. Right. Once they absorb the shock of a bullet, it changes the th- uh, stitching or the thread or whatever it, it is. Ch- it changes the vest. So even shooting, taking it off and giving it to someone else, like once a bulletproof vest has been shot, it's decommissioned. You can't use it, it again safely. Yeah. But that's not what happens in the movies. 
They get shot like two or three times. They can shoot like three times, four times. But yeah. maybe it's how fast it happens. You know, if you get shot two or three times in the chest, maybe you're okay. Well, the other thing that happens with bulletproof vests too that, that I've seen and that they don't talk about is that like even though it may stop the bullet, it breaks ribs. You oh, get the yeah. wind knocked out of you. You get knocked on your butt. Yeah. And so to think that, okay, I'm going to take this bulletproof vest, give it to my buddy, you know. Yeah, here you go. Yeah, here you here go. You go. And also, if you're shooting four times in rapid succession, there's rays every time. So I do wonder if he actually was shot somewhere else other than in the bulletproof vest. Right. Well, there goes me asking to be shot with the bulletproof vest on. We're going to do that? You know what this makes me think of, though? We were talking about a movie earlier, and we were talking about... uh, Super Troopers? Kick-Ass. Oh, well, that too. And they wear the bulletproof vest, and they do the... They do. Yep. I was thinking Super Troopers where the guys wearing the cup. Doesn't he shoot her more than one time in the same vest? But she didn't die, so now, again, it's the movies. It should work in practicality. Yeah. So. He's like, get back up, big girl. We'll go get some ice cream after. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I think there's a couple lessons we can learn from this story. Yeah. Don't let your bro shoot you more than one time. Don't have friends named Brad. <laughs> Brad or Trevor or Trevor, which is yeah, maybe and be from Florida. Maybe yeah. don't shoot each other, even if you're wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah, only in laser tag. <laughs> only in laser tag. <laughs> <laughs> only in airsoft. <laughs> Somebody did die, but you know. <laughs> lost an eye. Ew. Laser tag veteran. What happened? I got shot in the eye with a. The laser. best part of laser tag was come up with your name when you first got there. Yeah, that was always yeah. fun. You know, he could be whoever you wanted to be. Yeah. D's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's who it would be now. Yeah. Or 12-year-olds without their parents. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. D's yeah. yeah. nuts. Candace. <laughs> stupid laser. I just remember, like, you walking in, and, like, the pro guys would be, like, sideways, like, protecting. Oh, yeah. They'd like, be, like, paper Oh, and yeah. then the rules, like, you couldn't run. Like, who's not? Like, who's yeah. ever going to run? run? The second yeah. that garage door opened, you were You're running. running. Yeah. Yeah. You can only walk. No They'd be running. Like, no running. You'd be like, oh, I'm see. There's you always run. be that one kid that'll be following one guy around and just shooting him in the back <laughs> over and over <laughs> and over again. Yep. But not anymore. In the metaverse, you can run. You can run. Laser tag's open to anybody. <laughs> Dude, uh, laser tag's still open? No, it, it, it closed like five years ago. Because <sighs> I know they had the laser quest out here. Yeah, laser quest was the bomb. And it, it made me scared, like, if they turned the lights on, what it really looked like Oh, in there. it's so dirty. I always wondered, like, who just goes just to make out in the corners? I'd shoot them both. (laughs) (laughs) Three points. I got the the lovebirds. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of movies, Uh going back to how we were talking about Kick-Ass before the show. Uh So, we have an announcement to make. We are strongly considering. Uh This is not an official statement. We are strongly considering making a separate podcast where we talk about movies and TV shows that we like. Movie reviews. Yeah, because I think we're watching it. I mean, this is what we spend. Yeah. yeah, this is what we spend the time before the podcast talking about is movies yeah. that we've recently watched. Like, I recently watched Inception, came yeah. to some new insights, and I shared them with my friends. Very mm-hmm. good. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and we all like movies, so I think we might, like, do a movie review podcast where sure. we, like, talk about movies. We all watch a movie, exactly. all three of us. And then for 20 minutes, we talk about it. And, and we'll record one it. is Paul Blart Mall Cop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Duh. 
Uh, episode one, River Runs Through It for Zach. <laughs> River Runs Through It. Oh, uh, so we will maybe have more information on that in the future. It will be unedited. It will be non-professional. It will be us talking about movies for, for 20 minutes and released out into the interwebs. Yeah. It will not be as professional as we pretend to be on the H-Hole podcast. No. This is professional? <laughs> hey, we have whiskey. We do have whiskey. Oh, it was so good today. I'm glad we opened that one mm-hmm. up. Uh, hey, you want to talk about how we fell for April Fool's uh, fly fishing joke? Oh, mm-hmm. what happened? It said it's out of it. It's out of it. Zach got me I pumped did. on something. I was pumped for it. <laughs> oh, man. Was this a loop movie or was this something else? It was, was the, the loop movie. Ah, I, I thought about it for a second. Me. I was like, wait a second. Because to be honest, like I told Kendall this, any more... Social media on April Fool's Day is just not fun for anybody, you know. Because you know it's happening. You well, already no, know no, it's like I, already. No, no. What thing. happens is I forget it happens, it happens until about one o'clock in the afternoon, and by one o'clock I'm pissed because all the things I was excited about earlier in the day Are aren't wrong. real. Yeah. And so I just I forgot been, it was April Fool's Day. Me too. So when I said that to you, I was like, "Oh, this Zach is cool." Zach sent me this message. And He's like, "Oh, this show looks great." I'm like, and then I just it it was it, a docu series on uh, Netflix about a fly fishing. Uh, company. company. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. And then I messaged Jack, I'm like, this would be great content for the podcast. And I, was like, I agree. It's going to be awesome. And then uh, a I couple like minutes it. later, Zach's like, oh, it's April Fool's Day. And I was like, it's an April Fool's joke. It has to be. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't like pass Zach message. Like, I was at work. So, like, past Zach messaging me this, I didn't remember that it was April Fool's Day. No. Me and Odom shared on his account. So I was like, oh, Odom's just oh, yeah. sharing like an exciting documentary. Two time guest. Yeah, and a I, trustworthy person. I was right. in the middle of a deal, and I remember seeing it. I'm like, why the F would anybody want to see this on Netflix? Uh, and then I thought it. for a second, I was like, oh, that's why. And then I went back to work. And then, and then when yeah. Zach, then Zach's like, oh, it might be April Fool's. I was like, yeah, it's April Fool's. It's April 1st today. Yeah. This is not Fools. real. Yep. Because they advertised it like, oh, how we like are beating the competition. And I was right. like, oh, this is gonna be all drama intense BS. See, and like it, like it's April Fools, like it actually got me, you know, like if it's gonna be an April Fool's product, and I mean make it like a Yeti segue like they did that one year. Like that's very clearly an April Fool's joke, you know. Yeah. But like to make like a little documentary thing and like the picture looks so legit, I was like, Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this and talk about it. On yeah, the no, it looked it looked le- it looked legit. It did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I I, I would I would kind of be still upset about it too. Yeah, I'm still upset about it. So, Gabe, yes, we have sir. a conservation corner. We do. Hit it. What are you bringing us today? Boom. So, without going into much detail, it's a pretty long article, but uh, this out came out a couple of days ago. There was actually a um, a story uh, on Channel Twenty Five Central Texas. I forget uh, the name of the channel, uh, but they were talking about how hunting for uh, for uh, for hogs might not be the best way to take care of the the issue or eliminate the issue. And what they were saying is that, you know. When we go out there and we hunt for for one or, or two hogs, that's not really doing anything. In fact, it could be making it worse as you're shooting at those hogs and they're scattering and they're, they might be going actually scared off into other areas that they might normally go after or might not normally enter in. Again, spreading, mating, you know, growing bigger and all that stuff. And there was another one um, that, that was an example where some people think that they are a native species and shouldn't be touched, and they don't mess with them. 
when they should. But um, you know, the one of the guys from the the Texas Ag uh, was talking how really the best way is just a larger method. You know, the big the big um, uh, you know round fences, the the those big the traps, drop. Yeah, yeah, the skate drop like that. That is probably the the best way to take care of the issue. And I wanted to get you guys' take on that, especially Landon, since you're just coming from a trip. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think on that? I mean, we've got a ton. We've got our state has what more hogs than some states well, it's, combined. It's a real issue. They're a yeah. nuisance, right? They're invasive. They tear up, you know, people's property. Mm-hmm. Um, they reproduce. Yeah, they can have what, three, three litters a year. Three litters a year. Well, they can have anywhere from up to a dozen, maybe. Yeah, in a litter, eight, eight to a dozen. I don't know the exact number, but quite a few in a litter. And then you know, once a hog is eight months old, they can have their first litter. So they can just reproduce like crazy. Um, but that's not stopping. That that's still not. You still haven't taken up getting a big trap to do it. People are still kind of ingrained to just. Hey, I'm hunting for him tonight. Got the spotlight. I got the I got the infrared stuff. So it I th- does make I sense. think I think the trap thing. Um, so why not both? Would be my answer. Uh, why not do the traps and then also hunt them? Because or we could finally, realistically, we could just admit that when we hunt for hogs, we're really not doing it with the intention of population control. We're doing it because it's. Fun to be able to hunt something year round with, with food in the fridge. Right, exactly. Like realistically, like we all use the oh we're controlling the population as almost more of an excuse. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that's my opinion. You know, like I just don't. I, I've never understood why for such a, a large food source that's available that we aren't plug. You know, we aren't trapping them or taking them to areas that need it. You know homeless uh you know shelters stuff well, like that. Well the problem with that so there there's a couple problems with trapping. And, I, and props to the people who are doing it yeah. because they're doing it. But And I know a lot of small towns those guys will take their their over and those those uh those uh, processing plants will donate a lot of that meat out to to folks. So a, a couple things. So trapping them, I've seen those round traps. They look fantastic. You can trap a lot of hogs at once. Awesome. What wh- number the, – the second thing is a ton of work once you trap them. Yeah. You have to have a trailer. You have to load them on the trailer, and then, you know, a lot of people sell them or, you know, whatever happens to them. They might get them processed, whatever. But it's never going to end up in the grocery store because it's not regulated. Oh, sure. Like, sure. you know, normal right. pig like you would get at the store. And so – there's a problem there. And, yeah, processors might be donating the meat or people might be donating the meat, but the processors aren't only just going to, like, process a full hog for it to be donated, especially if you're bringing right. in 10, 15 hogs at a time. Right. It's a huge workload to fully process a hog right. from start to finish. Yeah, those oh, – yeah. So, like, even, like, for the food thing, like, even a lot of people are just shooting them and leaving them Yeah, because they don't want to – they want to shoot as many as they can and they don't want to deal with it. So, like – Props to the guys who like trapping them. That's cool. That's a solution. 
But the end-all be-all for every property owner out there, I don't think that is the end-all be-all because it takes an incredible amount of work. People might be farming, they might be ranching, working cattle, and then throwing like, oh, I have to like have a trailer and transport hogs and like manage like the traps and like do all that is a ton of work. Um, so why not shoot hogs and why and also why not trap them? Well, in the but that's well to do both. Sure, I don't know what. What the are the other options? Be. Like I'm like both are good options, but like no, other than that, the, like you could poison them, but then you're poisoning your property right. and all the other wildlife that's on your property. Well, and I know recently they they started to do that, and if you had cut it open and you see that the inside is a blue tint of sort, then you knew that those hogs had gotten into that bait. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but I know that was recently over the last two years that that's occurred. I wouldn't want to poison my property no, because the right. risk of infecting everything else, infecting everything else, and secondary yeah, harm to the ecosystem seems too high. But you know, a lot of people, you know, for some ranches, you know, hog hunting is uh, a source of income for them. Yeah. For other places, it's hey, you can come out and shoot hogs whenever you want. They really legitimately want them gone, and like Zach said, you know. People looking for an excuse. I think that's the hunter side, but I, I really think on the property owner side, it's really, we want them gone. So, and, even, and I think it's so for them, but for those guys, though, even going back to Gabe's article, they don't care if the hogs die or they don't care if the, shooting the hogs scares them off to another property. They just want them off their property, you know? I don't think the sh- – I don't – I would like to see research pursuing shoot, too. shooting them. I don't think that's – I think the hog populations are so wild, they're spreading – to wherever they can go, yes, shooting at a group of hogs might disperse them. For a short time. For a short time. Well, but that's what he's saying. You're sure for dispersing for a short time, but then they're getting together and just moving out into a new area that they might have not been in But I think, But I all. think gotcha. my counter-argument to that would be that they're reproducing at such a high rate that no matter what, if they're the group get gets too move. big, if the group is too big, they are going to move to a new area where they can find food. And I think that... Whether shooting them does that or just population growth does that, I think they're going to be moving yeah. constantly. And, what if you and so I don't think shooting, unless there's some research to back it, I don't buy that shooting is displacing them. I think they're already being displaced because of population growth. Yeah. I, you know, I, I I could see that point being made from the article, but I'm kind of like you. I'd like to see a little more effort or a little more information about it. But also, I do get your point as well that, yeah, I mean, like these hogs are going to move. They're... they're they're growing at such a rapid rate that it's hard to believe that just somebody shooting at one area would, would, I, would I, break them up. I don't buy much. it. Well, um, and the, the other thing that this, this gentleman was saying, uh, uh, Tom and Check, uh, was that, and he's quoting, one of the, the problems with pig hunting as an industry, and just to be candid about it, is as in some areas created an, an economic incentive to keep the pigs around. Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. But I also know there are places that are not capitalizing on the economics and they want the pigs gone. Right. Well, and then again that's that's what he's saying is basically he wants that that sounder of pigs gone through a larger trap than just hunting being kind of the main thing. And but again to your point, the cost, the moving, you know, leaving the carcasses, cleaning cleaning them, all of that. Um I, I, I know, know plenty of people that will let you hog hunt their place for free because they don't want them. Those guys are ranchers, farmers, whatever. They don't want them on their property. Now, it's the hunters, to Zach's point, 
that maybe, you know, I can hunt it year round. It's a thing. Um, but like if you were to go on knock on someone's door and say, Hey, I'd like to deer hunt your property. 99 times out of 100, oh, they're going to no, say, hell no, no. no. You got to sign up for my lease. You have to pay yeah. this. You go up to somebody's property. Hey, I noticed you have a lot of hogs. You mind if I hunt them? And Along help? with a nice bottle of Heaven Store yeah. mm, straight bourbon whiskey that we've had today. Yes. Yeah. And then they would say, absolutely, you can hunt hogs whenever you want. Now, that's not everybody, but the odds yeah. of. You'd be more likely to hear that. You would than be way more likely to get that permission. I want my hogs gone, whatever. Yeah. To bring up another thing, the helicopter hunting is extremely effective. Yeah, because oh, you can take out yeah, a f- quite a few. Yeah, and so you know, I we talked about last week. I was on that podcast with Dan Matthews from the uh, Nomadic Outdoorsman. Yeah, he was on his way to a helicopter hog hunt in Texas with someone that I actually went to high school with. Oh, nice! That's pretty crazy. Uh, you guys should go listen to that episode. Okay. Um, someone that I went to high school with, also name is Landon. <laughs> uh, they do helicopter hog hunts, and the property owners around that area 100% allow them to shoot as many hogs as they want out of helicopters. And I've heard numbers as high as like 200 hogs per day, you know. And those landowners want them dead; they want them gone, and they're utilizing a, a tactic yeah. to to take them out. And I think that's an extremely effective way. Um, I think all of the above. I think the hindrance. Out of all of our conversation is the people who are using hog hunting as a resource, and they don't really want them gone because they can sell hog hunts on their property. Yeah. yeah. That's the hindrance. But not everybody's a hindrance. Most people that are farmers, ranchers, they want them gone. They don't want them on their property. They tear it. You know, they're more work than they're worth yeah. because they're always tearing up fences and destroying equipment and running off other wildlife that they want and... So anyway, that's that's my two cents. Y'all agree? Disagree? Yeah, Good? No, I I agree. I do. Yeah. It depends. It depends. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> no, we're good. What's up? What's All next? Right, Zach. Are right, you guys ready? The right. Exactly. The Elvetrish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Zach worked on that for at least 30 minutes. My argument, well, as you'll see with this, why we went that direction. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. So the Elvetrish uh, is a bird-like legendary creature, which is originally from southwest Germany, Germany, especially in what they call the Palatinate region. And, and that was my comment, is that I think his accent was more on the Scottish side. Because yeah. we've had so many recently... But, yeah, we, we got it cleaned up. I, I liked it. No, no. Yeah, I get it. Uh, so they couldn't iron out an official date of when this, because the story's been told for kind of like centuries. Oh, man. However, the story's kind of died down, and they came back at some point. I do have a date for that. So when do, would you guys say that uh, these stories kind of, I have an exact year. And oh, um, tell you what. Uh, I'll give you a hint as well. It was kind of right around the time when a lot of German people were moving to the United States. Oh, uh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, nineteen fifty. Okay, that's your guess. Well, that would be a reason. I mean, World War Two's ended. Oh, okay. Or okay, now I'm waiting. No, now, now we're that way. Okay, no. Let's do. We're gonna do. Uh, let's, let's change that now. Eighteen sixty-five. I would be like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Germans were the ones we were allowing into the United States. <laughs> Operation Paperclip. Operation Paperclip. Thank you very much. Uh, what did you say? 
1866. Okay. 1866. I'll go 1800. Okay, it was 1847. Okay. Yeah, right? So, I had two in my mind, two dates in my head, that it could have gone either way. But Operation Paperclip, go research if you have. So the Elvin region uh, had been forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, every time. Awesome. Oh, every man. time. Our, our one German listener is like cringy. <laughs> is like, am I crossing a bridge someplace? <laughs> Uh, so we playing D and D right now. What's going on? Gentleman <laughs> named Eppenstein. <laughs> <laughs> he rediscovered them, and he began to organize hunting parties. Uh, hunting parties, which were harmless pranks. Um, in fact, they actually fed a Bavarian king uh, a roasted small bird that they declared was an Elvitrisha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, if you guys want to know. I can see a guy like rubbing his head going, oh, look what you got today. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, maybe it's more like a lucky charms. We're going to find an Elvitrisha at the end of a rainbow. <laughs> um, okay, so, it's a fictional character. Uh, like I said, from Germany, it is described as being chicken-like creature with antlers and also has scales instead of feathers. Um, it says their wings, though, are of little use because they have tiny little wings, right? Well, how big is this thing? If it's uh, chicken-like. It's the size of a chicken. Wow. They live mainly in underbrush, under vines. Sometimes, elfatrician <laughs> are depicted uh, with antlers of a stag, and their beaks often appear to be very long, so longer than that of a it's chicken. It's like a German jackalope. Uh, hey, it is, right? Uh, so in the second half of the 20th century, artists increasingly portrayed the Elvitrician as female by adding breasts. Oh. Um, so chicken with breasts. Right. So originally people thought that it was uh, it came from crossbreeding chickens, ducks, and geese with myth- mythical wood creatures like goblins and elves. Um, they lay eggs, and they are said to descend from forest spirits, and they grow during breeding season. Um, their eggs are all different sizes and all different colors. Uh, if you guys are wondering what the female Elvedrician looks like, that is what it looks like. Oh yeah, I was about to I was about to pull out some pictures. Yeah, that is the female, as you can tell. It is literally looks like a chicken yeah. with boobs. Yeah, it looks like a chicken <laughs> with boobs. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So uh Imagine this thing coming to you I mean, like you're getting fed this. I know. You would know. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, where I said, kind of like in 1850s, when a lot of Germans were settling into the United States, uh, especially in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvanian Dutch, uh, they brought this lore over as the, a Dutch man said, uh, so das, and I, I'm not even going to attempt because I cannot speak German at all. <laughs> but anyways, he said he brought the story over because they uh, they didn't want to become homesick. So tales of the Elvedrich, uh are also documented in a lot of Amish communities um, because, you know, a lot of Amish communities are have that German heritage. Mm. So the idea of the Elvedrician hunt is kind of similar to our snipe hunt. Uh, the bird is very shy but also very curious. So the hunting party that goes out at night consists of a fanger, which is a catcher, uh, equipped with a big potato sack and a lantern, and the treeber, which are the beaters, uh, Beat <laughs> pots and pans <laughs> and exactly. run to the forest. The catcher is led into the woods where Elvitrish is supposed to live. They're instructed to wait in a clearing with his sack and lantern while the beaters go off, supposedly to flush out the Elvitrish. Um, the light of the lantern is said to be attractive to the curious creature, so it will come to investigate and will then be caught by the catcher. While he waits, everyone heads back to the pub or wherever the party had previously assembled to wait for the catcher to realize that he has been fooled. 
Yeah. Ah. So, like the jackalope, uh, the Elvatrice is said to have been inspired by the sightings of wild rabbits who are infected with that Shope papilloma virus. If you guys remember when I did the jackalope story, there's this weird virus that the rabbits get sometimes where they literally grow these calcified like tumors on the outside of their bodies okay. that literally look like giant antlers and scales just coming off in every direction. Mm. So they say that a lot of these stories are probably connected to that same sort of uh, origination. Gotcha. Origin. So, there you go. There's the story of the Elvatrice. That was cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah. yeah. That's a good one. I'm never going to see a chicken again. He's going to have a pair of breasts. <laughs> I usually get some of those feathers. Ooh. What would you, you tie with those? They're scales. Ooh. Probably like a spoon. Oh. I guess. Yeah, a spoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tie spoons with the scales. Exactly. Yeah. That would work. It would work, right? Well, cool, guys. Uh, we're going to move over to our interview with... Grant from the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival. Grant works for TFO. He's a musician. We had a great conversation oh, with so him. Fun. He's a really cool guy. Yeah. And he's actually going to work on some intro music for us, yeah. like OG intro music. So yeah. uh, I hope you guys enjoy the interview, and we will catch y'all in the field or on the water. Bye, H-holes. FX presents Under the Banner of Heaven. This case I'm working on is a double murder. Inspired by the true crime bestseller by John Krakauer. Oh my God. And starring Academy Award nominee Andrew Garfield. The evidence points to things and to beliefs that I have only ever heard whisperings about. FX is Under the Banner of Heaven. All new Thursdays, only on Hulu. This summer, your next adventure is waiting for you in Colorado. Here, dreams feel bigger, and everything shines just a little brighter, no matter where you are. Whether you're relaxing in a quiet mountain town or exploring a vibrant city, new discoveries are waiting for you around every corner. Come to Colorado. Come to life. Learn more at colorado.com summer. Hey guys, we're back at the Texas Fly Fishing and Brew Festival, and we have uh, a great guest for you guys lined up right now. We have Grant from TFO Fly Rods. How's it going, guys? Good, man. Most of my friends fish TFO Rods, and I've known to fish them every once in a while as well, and so we're excited to have you on. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, yeah. I've followed you guys' podcast for a little while, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it and love to hear that you uh, you guys support TFO. We always love to hear yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Uh, my, uh, my salt well, rod is a TFO. It's the yeah. Pro Signature 2. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It was and like the first one. You know, people were like, you got to get a 5 weight and an 8 weight. And I was like, all right. Maybe there it's it going to be a TFO. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love to hear it. And our, our, you know, one thing I really love is that you guys, we're big supporters of Real Recovery. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Mayfly Project, we're mm-hmm. good friends with those guys as well. And you guys, like, donate rods and, like, hook those guys up so that way they can, you know, provide those to the participants without an added cost and can get more people out on retreat. Yeah. So um, that is that is awesome. Yeah. We, we love that. And I know you guys, uh, some of our listeners are big uh, volunteers with uh, 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 Healing Waters, yes. Project yeah, Healing Project Waters. Healing Waters yeah. And I yeah. know, like, TFO is a big supporter of Project Healing Waters. So you guys are basically, like, supporting every nonprofit that, you know, that that's around and yes. that is awesome. Yeah. We're we we love that. So yeah. so we make three rods that uh, Project Healing Waters, Real Recovery, and Casting for Recovery. 
we also love to support our first responders, whether it be military, EMT, uh, police officers, anybody in that line. Uh, we just love to support the community and also love to support, uh, you know, any kind of recovery or help that people need through uh, fly fishing. We know that, you know, fly fishing is kind of our church. Mm -hmm. It's where we go to release and get things out of us, and we love to support uh, other organizations that do the same. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Grant, tell us a little bit about you to get us started. Um, so, born and raised here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, went to school at uh, Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado. Uh, came back here uh, to Dallas and got into insurance. I uh, did that for about five years and got tired of it and jumped into music. I've been a full-time musician for about 10 years. Have you always been playing music, even since you were a kid? Um, yeah, I picked up the guitar first when I was about 12 um, or okay. so. And then just naturally found my voice and started writing songs and learning. I come from a family of musicians, so it was always around me. Uh, and so when I jumped into music full-time, uh, you know, I'd be playing gigs on the weekends and then I'd have my weekdays free while well, I'd be fishing, you know. And then through the use of social media, I connected with uh, people like Thomas Flemings, Diablo Paddle Sports, uh, jumped in with him, started doing trade shows, and then slowly met everybody in the industry. Um, then I picked up Rainey's Flies about six or seven years ago. Yeah, and you're their rep. I am the, the yep. rep for Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas. Yep. Um, and... Then, you know, TFO uh, opportunity came available. I've always been a TFO guy. Yeah. Um, so they asked me to come on board, and I said it was my pleasure and jumped in with them. I've been with them for about three years now. Um, so I guide a little bit. Uh, I fish a lot more. Uh, I've got a skiff that I run, and then I play music. So music and fishing is my life. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That, that sounds, sounds like a pretty good yeah. life. <laughs> it doesn't suck. It'd yeah. be a sole corporate job. That's for damn sure. <laughs> you know? When did you start fly fishing? Um, I, I started when I was – my first introduction to fly fishing was when I was about seven years old. Okay, so uh, pretty early on. Yeah, through my uncle. Um, I got my first fly rod of my own when I was 10. I'm 37 now, so that's 27 years of, of fly fishing. Fly rod. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so, um, you know, I was the kid that would wake up on Saturday morning and, and race to the TV to watch Walker's K Chronicles <laughs> um, and then go out in the front yard and cast my fly rod and all my friends would come around and be like, what in the hell are you doing? Yeah. yeah. You know, they make fun of me, but they ain't making fun of me now. No. You know? So yeah. it's, it's, it's been a great journey. Um, you know, fishing is the one thing that I hold dearest. Um, you know, I kind of turned music into a way to make a living and, you know, fishing is still that purest thing to me that I enjoy. I enjoy teaching people and helping people. Um, explaining processes, taking people fishing, that kind of stuff. So it's great, man. I, I love fishing, and it will always be a part of what I do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What kind of skiff do you have? I've got a 17-tournament Mitzi skiff. Okay. Um, it's a great little boat. I've had it for about uh, 2018. Um, so I run all the lakes up here in North Texas, uh, run down to the coast quite a bit. Yep. Uh, just did the Chandelure Islands, uh, mother shipped out there to the Chandelure out off the coast of Louisiana. I was going to say, that's Louisiana, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, that was a great experience. Um, did, did, did you take your boat? Yeah, I took oh. my skiff. Yeah, nah, so you mother, you mother shipped yep. and was able to take your skiff. Yep, and uh, I did that through Backwoods with uh, Guillermo Gonzalez. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Yeah. Um, he is an – we actually just brought him on with TFO as one of our anglers. Uh, extraordinarily gifted guy. Uh, he is the probably the most winning kayak fisherman, uh, conventional side, 
but also an amazing fly fisherman as okay. well. So he invited me out with Backwoods uh, to go do that trip. Um, it was a three-day trip. Uh, we left out of Pass Christian, uh, Mississippi, and it was like a, I think a 10-hour trip where they towed my skiff behind this, you know. They eight, towed it. Yeah, like an 80-foot, like, oil Yeah, tanker. Zach, do you know the the mother shipping is? So I, I, I figured it was like, but I thought they actually, like, it was a big enough ship that you would, like, roll your boat onto their ship. So they do have cranes because they have, like, little uh, dinghies, if you will, that they uh, give to the anglers out there. The, a lot of the guys that I was on this trip with were kayak anglers. Mm-hmm. So they would take their kayaks and go out fishing. Well, they just towed my skiff behind the mothership. That's great. And then when we got there, I just had free reign. You just hop on your skiff and you go wherever. Go wherever, man. It yeah. was, yeah. it was <laughs> That's badass. Awesome. That's it was awesome. Did you yeah. catch some nice reds? Oh, yeah. Caught a bunch of reds, some jacks, a bunch of big speckled trout. Um, it's just that's a great fishery. Um, to kind of see things, um, it's a barrier island. So see things as they naturally are with no roads, no structures, really. You know, yep. it's, it's an incredible. I mean, you're going back into time. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, there's just birds and fish and wildlife out there. It's an amazing experience. So uh, that's that's why I bought my skiff is to kind of go on these adventures. Yeah. Uh, also to fish here locally. I'm also a kayak guy. I've been with Diablo, you know, paddle sports for a long time. Uh, but sometimes you need a little horsepower on the, on the end of that boat yeah. to get you yeah. moving. You know, yeah. I'm getting older, and <laughs> it's getting easier to get in the boat instead of the kayak. So. <laughs> but you know, me and Thomas just did a trip down the Devils um, River last year nice. in March. Yeah, I caught a bunch of big smallies down there. And there you have to have a kayak. Yeah. And, you know, Diablo Paddle Sports, it's named after the Devils River. Right? Yeah. You know, so that's the, that's the ticket. That's the magic carpet ride down there. Yep. So it's awesome. Yeah. Man, uh, what, what's your most memorable, memorable fish that you've caught on the fly? Um, I've got a couple. Um, we were at a trade show up in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Paddle Sports Retailer. This would have been, I think it was 2018 or 19. I forget exactly. Uh, I was there with Diablo Paddle Sports, and we had a booth set up. We had about two hours to fish. And Wisconsin, there's muskie around, right? Yep. And so I used the Fish Brain app to locate a small little body of water that had muskie on it. Uh-huh. And uh, we had two hours of fish. I hooked three muskie. No. Yep. Uh, only, I only documented one. So for you, it's the fish of 50 casts. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy story. Like, I was with Thomas Flemons and uh, Stephen Seaton, who's the Scott rep, uh, free, fly, free fly rep. And they took off on one side of the lake. And I just had a gut feeling. I went over this little, like, grassy area. Uh, I had a 10 weight with a, a Rainey's big, you know, double deceiver, essentially, fire tiger pattern. Just kind of paddling around, feeling the water out, and this muskie is chasing a yellow perch, jumps out of the water about 30 feet in front of me. Paddle over there, put a cast in, eats the fly. Oh, man. And so I can't believe it, right? Yeah. You know, I'm fighting this muskie, and it's it's not a huge one by was, any okay. means. Was uh, this your first cast? Um, Yes, first cast. Oh, my yeah. and God. Like, first time ever muskie fishing, too. Yeah. And, so, and one just breaches in front of you. Breaches in front like, of me. There you go. Put, put one out, yeah. and literally just eats the fly. I come tight. He's jumping out of the water. And since we were on, a, we were traveling to a trade show, I didn't have my normal kayak with all my gear uh-huh. and my fish grips and my camera equipment and everything. So, like... I start yelling, and they're all the way – I'm yelling at Thomas and Seaton, like, 
get your asses over here. <laughs> they can't really hear me, but they finally get it. So I get the, the fish boat side, and I'm trying to gill it to, like, get a hold of it, and the, the fly comes out of its mouth. So I'm like, that's it. So like, you landed it. I touched it. Yeah, I yeah. touched it. I had it. I didn't, I didn't get to document it. It gets away. And so I'm sitting there kind of nursing my wounds. My heart's about to jump out of my chest. And I'm kind of collecting myself, and no lie, another one up about 40 feet does the same thing. Uh-huh. So I paddle over there, <laughs> put a cast in, hook that one. And I'm like – Second cast. Like, second cast, pretty much, two, yeah. You are yeah. two for two on yeah, musky fishing. Exactly. This is almost yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I don't know if I we mean, can keep recording. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the craziest uh, fish destroying. You know, I've talked to Blaine Chocolate about this, too, and he's like, man, you just got in, like, at the right moon. Yeah. Like, everything was in line. Yeah. And so, same thing happens. Like, I get the fish over, and I'm trying to get it in the boat, and it just, the hook comes out. And this time, Seton's, like, getting closer to me. Uh, and that one comes loose, too. And I don't get pictures of that one. So, I'm like, that's uh, it. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. No lie. It happens again. Another muskie is chasing uh, a bait fish, and I hook that one, get it into the boat. I got video of me fighting it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, three for three, right off the bat, first time ever muskie fishing. Yeah. I don't I don't think I could ever top that. I don't think anybody could ever repeat that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I looked at this lake. It's called Lake Wingra. I mean, I'll throw it out there. It's in Madison. Uh, it's a paddle. It's like a paddle only, only? lake. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there is lots of musky in there. It, like in the, I think it's in the spring, there's like a low weir or like a low water dam. Mm-hmm. And you'll see they jump over this low water dam to get into the lake. And it's just like one after the other. Oh, man. And so I use Fish Brain, which, you know, it's mainly a conventional app. But right. it shows you what fish are in the water. fish are, yeah. Hey, man, I'm a fisherman. I'll use any tool I can, I can get to be successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's probably the top of my list. Um, I caught a, a slam in Belize. Um, oh, that's nice. That so, was uh, super what, cool. What order did you, what, did you get it done in? Um, so I was fishing with my buddy, Kevin, with Laminar Fly, um, down in Belize. We put in about 6.30 in the morning. By 7 o'clock, I had a permit in the boat. Oh, oh. So you, you knocked, you knocked yeah, out. Yeah, the hard one. Yeah. Well, so we're, we're watching this. We're watching <laughs> I this. I fish with you, man. Yeah, That's right. I don't know if it's stupid. my native my native American energy or, like, I always do, like, little tobacco sacrifices to the water. And, like, I do a lot of research and, yeah. and put a lot of time into where I'm going. And I think that maybe helps. Yeah, it kind of sets sure. the juju yeah. and the vibe in you. But so, yeah, we're, we're pulling along this flat, and I'm watching this school of bonefish. And Kevin has, has his eyes on this school, and I just look down, and there's three little permits. I mean, they weren't huge, but a permit's a, a permit. permit. A permit's yeah. a permit. <laughs> so I just dump Ain't my – Ain't nobody going to complain. No, I just dump my little crab pattern in front of him, and one eats it, and I'm like, okay. wow. I got a permit. All right. <laughs> so get the permit in the boat. Go chase the bone, and then we ran out, ran out to Savannah Flats there in Belize, and I hooked about a 60-pounder, uh, just jumped it, it got off. Uh, we waited around for more fish, and they weren't having it, so we just turned back into the mangroves and, um, and caught, like, a little juvie tarpon. Yeah. And I was still, like, I'm good. I got my got, three. You got Take it. me to the bar, you know what dude. I'm saying? So, and then. That's awesome. What, what's well, the, dude, what's I, the I was I have been very close to a Grand Slam. I had – uh, you know, caught a tarpon and a bonefish by like eight o'clock one morning. Nice. And we're like permit time, permit, yeah. game on. That's the hard one. And that's the hard yeah, yeah, one. And absolutely. we spent the rest of, of the day. Did you see yeah. any? Oh yeah. Oh but, I okay, yeah. dude. Get this. I I casted a school permit. Um, got the fly from a fish peeled off the school and followed my fly to the boat. Uh huh. And it would not eat. It would, would not it pick it up. Yeah. It turned off. I threw another cast at it. The 
permit followed the fly to the boat again before it finally legitimately spooked. And then I had some other um, – I had – I had a, a and then another really good shot of permit. I probably got twenty or thirty casts on it. It was nose down, like on a coral patch, mm-hmm. and we were trying to get it to where the fly would not get stuck on the coral patch. Yeah, of course, um, and we were trying to like cast to the right to the left of it and just like try to get it in the vicinity. But there must have been a crab or something like buried in there that he, he was, was like dedicated yeah. on and eventually dude i got so many casts on that fish <laughs> eventually though like we're like hey man you got to try to like get it on his nose and i got st- the fly got stuck on the coral oh, patch oh man you know so like I, I feel like i had good opportunity just like it didn't happen but i tell you what i would feel a lot better about my day if by eight in the morning oh, i had yeah. a permit in the oh boat. yeah yeah i, I would mean, feel like <laughs> like oh this like, could happen yeah so <laughs> yeah i wasn't even thinking slam you know what i'm saying and it was really my first time fishing in belize um it was a second day but the first time fishing there and i've never caught a permit since like i haven't really fished for them that much um but it just was happenstance, and one a little pod of three were just swimming right in front of me. Hey, man, stuff like, happens. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've been lucky fishing, too. Yeah, like, fish yeah. I never thought I would catch. Like, yeah. happens, you know, either. it just happens. You're so there the right day. Yeah. Those, those are my top two. I've got one more that I want to share with you okay. guys that is, is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I was up fishing the White River uh, with Steve Daly. Uh, in Arkansas? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. And Steve Daly is, is, a, is one of Rainey's signature fly tires. And so he had a new lap dancer called a musky sucker color, and we were fishing uh, a morning, like a mid-after, uh, like early morning to midday kind of fishing, and hadn't stuck anything all morning, and it was about time to leave, and he, you know, Steve looked at me and said, do you want to run down to one more hole? And I said, what do you think, Steve? Let's go. So we motored up down to this last hole, and there was a gravel bed with a drop-off, Made a long cast across it, and, and we I think we both just kind of knew there was a fish on it. And this fish came up, chased the fly down, uh, missed it two times. On the third time, it inhaled it. Yeah. Steve's standing up on the seat yelling, keep it moving, keep it moving. <laughs> Shut up, Steve, I got it, you know. <laughs> fish eats the fly. Uh, we get it in the net. It's probably the biggest Brown trout I'll ever put my hands on, tw- right at 29 inches. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Man. Just a big old kiped out male. And, I mean, I'm sure they heard us hollering in the next county, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But to catch that with Steve on his signature fly, just me and him, that was such a cool experience. A special moment. Yeah, yeah and for sure. Took a couple pictures, let the fish go, and, you know. Now when yeah. I go up to the White River, I'm like, eh, whatever, <laughs> man. Is there anything going to top that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that's yeah that's a once in a lifetime fish. Absolutely, right you know, unless you live there and you're fishing exactly. every day. Well, yeah, you know, and I was fortunate enough to see a bigger fish uh, with Stephen Seaton and Chad Johnson. Mm-hmm. They caught a 32 inch hen, but that that river is just an amazing place, and it's close here to Texas. It's pretty easily accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so those three, I would have to say, are my are those my are top, great stories. Yeah, top man. stories. I'm very yeah. very fortunate to have those. You yeah, know? yeah. So, Keep That's searching because awesome. they're out yeah, there, they're you know. Out, yeah. You never know. You gotta get Everyone's got to get a story. Yeah. You got to get out and do it, too. For sure. Yeah. You got to get out and fish. If Absolutely. you want a fish story, yeah. yep. you got to get out That's and make right. it happen. Yeah. Doesn't happen on the couch sitting at home. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So. That, it, doesn't ha- it doesn't happen recording a podcast with headphones on. That's for sure. <laughs> it definitely does not happen. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, uh, Grant, tell us about TFO. How did TFO get started? So, um, you know, Back in the day, Rick Pope, I think it was a mid-90s, uh, he saw a need for an affordable fly rod. 
mm-hmm. uh, high quality affordable fly rod, and um, he decided to take that venture head on. Um, I was fortunate enough to grow up with one of the early investors, um, Tom Lydick, uh, with his daughter, Jesse. We went to high school together. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Tom knew that I was a fly fisherman, and he would gift me TFO rods when I was young. Nice. And so that's how I kind of jumped into TFO, and I'm a pretty loyal guy, so I've always just fished TFO Mm -hmm. uh, through that experience. Uh, But, you know, uh, Rick Pope grew the company uh, to what it is now, and, you know, Frank Paul has taken over, and, uh, you know, we're based out of Dallas, Texas. That's where our warehouse is, all of our distribution. Uh, we've got our uh, our proprietary uh, rod ma- manufacturer, BJM, in South Korea. Uh, he only rolls and man rolls rods for TFO. Okay. He doesn't uh, use – he doesn't roll for any other companies. Uh, you know, Lefty Cray called him uh, the most innovative uh, man roll or fly rod roller that, that he's ever seen, which is pretty high praise coming <laughs> from Lefty. You know, yep. bless his soul. Yesterday was his birthday. Uh, we missed him terribly, but – you know, that was kind of the gist of... Well, and Lefty, uh, Lefty Cray had a signature series of rods with absolutely. TFO for a while, yeah, or are they still yeah. out there? Yeah, we, so he had uh, one of our best, you know, the Pro 2 is, is, a, is a Lefty series, mm-hmm. the BVK, uh, Bernard Victor Cray, his, mm-hmm. his full name, uh, was one of our best-selling rods. Uh, we just recently, here last year, uh, introduced the LK Legacy, which is the Lefty Cray Legacy, which is the kind of the... The continuation of the BBK, mm-hmm. um, so we honor Lefty. Uh, he, without him, fly fishing would not. We wouldn't be sitting here having this podcast. Yeah, Let's yeah, really. put, put it out there. Um, so you know, we honor the legends. We're lucky and very fortunate at TFO to have some of the greatest fishermen in the world um, on our advisory staff. Uh, you know, Rob Fordyce, Flip Pallet, uh, Blaine Chocolate, Gary Dubiel, who's mm-hmm. here at the show this weekend, uh, and the list goes on and on. So. I feel very fortunate to work with a company uh, of heroes that I look up to and to innovate the game and also put rods into, into people's hands where they can afford it, you know. Yeah. Not everybody can afford, you know, $2,500 setup, no. $2,000 setup. So we're getting it in at a reasonable price, but still a very good high-quality rod. Yeah. You know, so. And it's funny. I don't, you don't meet many people who have a bad thing to say about TFO. Yeah. Most people, like, yeah. sing the praises. Absolutely. Yeah. They love them. And, you know, we have a great warranty. Yeah. Um, that's part of our program. Um, if you break a rod, we'll try to get back to you as soon as, you know, normally it takes two or three days. You know, and it's a, uh, what's it's the process small. for that? Let's, so, let's talk about that process. What yeah, does so someone have to do? Let's say you break a rod. Uh, what we like to have happen, if you, let's just say you live far away. You don't live here local in the DF, DFW Metroplex. Uh, we ask that you uh, send the full rod okay. with a note of what happened. Um, and a small fee, it's $45. Okay. You send it into TFO. We inspect the rod for any malfunctions or any bad spots on the rod, replace what's needed, and send it back to you. So even if you, you inspect the whole rod mm-hmm. in case it's not just that section, there might yeah. be a small crack so, exactly. or something in another part. Like, as you gentlemen know, sometimes if you're throwing a weighted fly, it might nick the rod or something yeah. like that. So that's why we ask to send the full rod so we can inspect it. And if anything's wrong, we'll replace the whole, uh, whole rod. If it's just a tip... We just do the tip. If it's something else is wrong in the grip or something, we'll replace the whole rod. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And What's the turnaround do? time on that? Let's say, let's say me in San Antonio, I broke a rod, needed to mail it in. What's the turnaround time, so time to get my rod back? Normally a week at most. You know, I like to tell people, you know, if you send it to us on a Monday, you can expect it back 
by Wednesday at the earliest, by Friday at the latest. Yeah, because okay. I've had, yeah. like, people actually told me, like, I had a trip. Yep. I broke my rod the week before. Yep. I sent it there. I had it with plenty. Like, and yep. they had the rod ready to go for their trip. That was, like, four days later. Absolutely. And if you live here close uh, to the DFW area, you know, our headquarters here in Dallas, you can just walk into our shop Monday through Friday. That's and, awesome. And do that process. Yeah. Not many people offer yeah. that. That's and great. It's. I mean, that's what we like to keep people fishing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so... What's the use of buying a, a rod, a super expensive rod, if you something happens to it and it takes six months to get it back? Well, then yeah. you're out, you know? So that's part of our mission. You know, we want to keep people on the water and catching fish. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, where So TFO is Temple Fork Outfitters. Where did the name Correct. come from? You know, um, that's something that uh, Rick came up with. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on the origins of TFO. Okay. I should know that, but I don't. Uh, you know, is there I, a Temple Fork? There is. There, I'm pretty sure there's many Temple Forks okay. in fisheries. I'm not sure exactly where the, that name originated. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I should know that, and I'll have to look it up and get back to you guys with a, with a proper answer there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, talk about uh, um, talk about some like of your newest things you have out or things that you're working on that you are allowed to talk about on a podcast. Yeah, for sure. So just uh, had some of my music in a film uh, with Howard Films mm-hmm. and Blaine Chocolate. It's called Black Salmon. It's a cobia film. Um, speaking to conservation of cobia um, and all that good stuff, I have some of my music featured on that film, which is in the Fly Fishing Film Tour right now. It's making its rounds. Um, you know, I'm always going to pretty cool destinations uh, you know, trying new rods with TFO and the R&D department, uh, testing out new stuff. We've got an, a, a, some cool stuff coming down the line uh, for 2023. Um, I'm always planning cool trips, trying to get out with people. Um, I play, you know, probably two to three shows a week, depending on what I'm doing here locally. Um, I travel somewhat. I've done a couple tours with Armed Forces Entertainment play with our troops yeah. overseas. So you, guys over, you overseas yeah. and put on a show for them. I've done Kuwait and Iraq, um, South Korea, Japan, Guam, Hawaii, and Alaska. That is So how them. does that process work? That's, I mean, that's always fascinating when people do that. Um, yeah, so it used to be uh, you just apply through Armed Forces Entertainment, uh-huh. and if, if they like your music, they approve you, and then they offer per diem, and you travel through the military. Yeah, so, so, so you, you would travel actually with the military. Yeah, so like when uh, – the first tour I did was in 2008, and I'm going to – while I'm speaking of this, is I'm going to be doing more tours with yeah. them here in the future. But um, the first tour I did with them was 2008, and we went to Kuwait and Iraq. Uh-huh. So we were in Kuwait for a week, which pretty standard operation. Um, we flew commercial over there and then stayed in a hotel in Kuwait. When everything changed is when we, when we went into Iraq. Uh-huh. Um, took a C-130 uh, from Kuwait to Iraq. And this was 2008. The war was going on. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was, we were in the middle of the war. And so we get to Talil, Iraq, which was the first operating base there in um, this most southern point of Iraq. Perform a show um, with my band at the time, The Connection. And uh, we were supposed to leave out the next day. Well, a big sandstorm came in, and we couldn't fly out. Well, they also couldn't operate their drones to run security. So the base that we were at got bombed. Uh, like really like three mortars i heard the first one i was playing like a little kind of acoustic set for some of our uh, liaison or like our chaperones if you will yeah yeah um and i heard a thud out in the in the in the distance what was that 
And then I heard another thud getting closer. And then they were like, put your guitar away. we got to go to this bunker. And the third one flew over our head and blew the hell out of what they call chews, which are central housing units. Uh, and just there's T-walls everywhere, which is like on a highway dividing wall. You know yep. what I'm saying? But it goes up about 20 feet. So if there's ever a blast, the shockwave can't go out. The shockwave goes here, and then it goes up. Gotcha. And so I watched this mortar fly over our head. And, you know, blow up this central, which is the central housing units, which is like a pod storage unit. Uh-huh. People sleep in. They got a little bathroom in the back. And that's when I realized, okay, like, it's we're in a war zone. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not at just a normal gig. Yeah. Um, but man, that was a great experience, too. You know, we were flying Black Hawk and C-130 all through Iraq in a war zone, playing music at different bases. Yeah. Um, you were there for a week? We were, I was in country in Iraq for three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I was gone for a month on that tour. But, you know, I like to support our military. Um, I like to play a lot of shows. I'll be playing at Trout Fest next year. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah. They invited me to come and play music. <laughs> that's and, that's heck really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Help them see that. Um, got a big event at Tailwaters coming up for the F3T that I'll help be, I'll be emceeing and playing music at as well. So I've always got a lot of stuff going on. Where, where can people find your music if they want to listen to um, it? I've got stuff on SoundCloud. You know, I need to get some stuff on Spotify. Um, I need to drop a new album here. Uh, I've just been so busy as of late. And um, what style is it? So I'm like Roots Rock Reggae. Oh, uh, nice. Very similar to like a Ben Harper mm-hmm. kind, of, okay. kind of musician. I uh, play a lot of lap steel, acoustic stuff, uh, singer-songwriter. A uh, little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I listen to a, a wide variety of music, so I like to play a wide variety of, mu- of music. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you can catch me on SoundCloud at Grant, uh, G-R-A-N-T, slash, or dash, Broderick, B-R-A-U-D-R-I-C-K. Um, you can also find me on Instagram. My fishing account is good old G. That's good, G-O-O-D-O-L-E-G. That's my fishing account. And then my music account is just good old G music. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's the best place to follow me and see where I'm going to be playing and all that stuff. Well, we'll drop links yeah. in the oh, description yeah. so people sure. can just click on them there and they can go find it. There you go, For absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we want to work with you on doing some intro music Hell for yeah. us. Like Hell some yeah, legit, man. not we'll some like happen. something we randomly found on the internet <laughs> that we, we can use without yeah. getting sued. Yeah. But some like OG music. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So yeah. I've got a home studio, so I'm happy to. to you know, crank out whatever you guys need. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. That'd be perfect. Cool. Very cool. <laughs> Makes me excited. Hell yeah. So uh, what is TFO working on right now? So we've got uh, a couple new things. I don't know if I can speak to them just Oh, no, yet. you can yeah, speak yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah, nobody listens to us. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got, we're working on a Pro 3 okay. uh, for next year's offering. And I think Nick Conklin's kind of our, our lead guy at TFO that is progressing our rods in real development. Uh, this past year, we just released the BC Big Fly uh, for 2022, which is Blaine Chocolate's signature musky rod or okay. big streamer yeah. rod. So it's, a, it's, a, it's built to be a musky rod. Absolutely. Um, it's almost got like a spay handle on it. Uh, yeah. It's a nine-foot rod. But it's uh, not two-handed. It, it's, it's for the it's figure eight. Okay. It's for the figure eight, and yeah. it's also for leveraging, you know, those heavy sink, sinking lines. You can leverage your arm instead of using your wrist so much. Oh, it, so, Actually, like, find yeah. the spot yeah, yeah. right so there. Yeah, so it, it goes against your whole forearm. So it takes the fatigue out of you when you're yeah. throwing, let's say you're throwing 330-grain sink tips with an 8-inch fly all day <laughs> or bigger. Yeah. You know, it takes that fatigue out. Yep. Um, so that's a good rod that we've got going uh, for this year. We've also got the Mangrove Coast. It just came out uh, for 2022. 
Um, and that's like your your smaller tarpon, like kind of. Yeah, I mean, we make them up to a twelve weight. So, okay. Um, the original mangrove was uh, designed by Flip Pallet, uh-huh. and that was what he considered his guide rod. So, um, anytime a client, whether it be uh, you know a novice to an expert, would step in his boat, that's the rod that he designed to put in that that person's hand. So it's a moderate fast action. Uh-huh. Um, so it can work both in windy conditions, but it can also handle soft presentations to yeah. like finicky bonefish or stuff like that. So, uh, and then we've also got the NTR reels, uh, which are new for 2022. So oh, you guys do reels? Yeah, we do reels as well. Yeah, I did not know. Yeah, that. I, yeah. I don't. I didn't know that. Either. Yeah, so we've got our current lineup is you know we've got the black label reels, which are kind of like your beginner reels, small mm-hmm. freshwater reels. Yeah, we've got the BVK SDs, which are. Um, um, a saltwater reel in four sizes, and then we got the NTRs as well, uh, which is kind of fresh and salt, also in four sizes. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So we have offerings to pair rods and reels if you want at yeah. affordable price points. Um, do the reels carry the same warranty that the rods do? Um, a little bit different there. We will definitely case-by-case case them. Yeah. Uh, reels don't seem to break as much as rods, rods. do. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's a fact. Um, but, yeah, if something goes wrong with the reel, we will definitely warranty it. Gotcha. You know? Okay. So, yeah, absolutely. And if you guys, uh, you guys aren't doing fly lines. We don't do fly yeah. lines at the time. Yeah, TFO only does uh, – we do conventional rods, fly rods, and then we have fly reels as well. Oh, cool. I yeah. know you guys did conventional rods. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's a, that's a big part of our market. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm the fly rep, and I'm, right. I, you know, I'm mainly a fly fisherman. I do do some conventional. Yeah. To me, uh, to be the complete angler, I think you need to know both sides. I, yeah. And there's, there's things that we can learn. Uh, from each side. Um, and there's sometimes a fly rod does better, and there's some things right. that, you know, yeah. a baitcaster or a spin well, rod. if it's blowing better. 50 miles an hour out and you want to go fishing, it's, sometimes the conventional rod's a little yeah. bit easier. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know. I'll torture myself. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a fly fisherman yeah, at you, heart. Yeah, you're, sure. you're, you're a fly purist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, I mean... I don't even think you Pretty own much. a conventional rod. I do not. Yeah. Well, to speak <laughs> yeah. to, speak to like somebody like Larry Dahlberg, you know, um, who was has transitioned the game you know he does both mm-hmm. and he he's learning from both and he's a mad scientist you know the Dahlberg diver you know the whopper plopper he's yeah. got he's got things in both avenues and you know I think to really be the complete angler you need to understand both sides yeah. uh, not that you have to use them but to understand them really helps you become a better fly fisherman you know I see what guys are doing uh, all the rage is the big swim bait game yeah. these days and then look at what Blaine's doing, you know, with the with the game changer. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's the same, you know, it's it's the same concept with different materials. Yeah, and we all know that fly fishing, when you put a fly in the water, that thing comes alive. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you know, feathers or fur, when you put it in water, it looks like a living thing. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to a piece of plastic, you know what yep. I'm saying? So I will always be a fly fisherman, but I like to learn from both sides. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great place to yeah, be, you absolutely. know. Yeah. Like Everybody can learn from everybody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're all after as much knowledge as we can get. So uh, the more the merrier for me, right. yeah. for sure. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. What else is going on with TFO? Anything? Uh... You know, we've, got, we've always got trade shows uh, happening. We were at Trout Fest last weekend, which I thought was a great show. We're here at Texas Fly Fishing Brew Festival, which has been a great turnout. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, What's your favorite show to go to? Um. Man, that's a TFO. Well, it used to be um, IFTD and ICAST. Yeah, yep. when it was together there in Orlando. Yeah, I mean, because one, uh, you get to see everybody in the industry. Yeah, 
You see what they're working on. See exactly. What's coming out. You know, IFTD is always a great show. Uh, it's probably my favorite. When it was there together with everything, uh-huh. you could. I mean, it was. It took up the whole convention center there in Orlando. Yeah. Which is a massive place, you know. And you'd see the likes of you know every legend in fly fishing walking around. And also, you got. I mean, you got Florida fisheries everywhere. Yeah. So like. We'd, we'd sneak off to, like, Merritt Island and go fish the canals for tarpon <laughs> yeah. and stuff you yeah. know, on our lunch breaks or whatever. That's great. So, you know, that was that's was probably the highlight of mine, but I always enjoyed going to IFTD yeah. know, and seeing everybody. So, But, you know, TFO is always cranking out. Uh, we've got, uh, you know, Nick Conklin's out at the Pleasanton Show right now in California. Yep. Um, we heard that that split this show. Uh, someone, someone had said that that show might. You know, being the same weekend, yeah. You know, people got to decide. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, that's not our my territory, so I don't really don't yeah. about it. pay attention to what's going on yep. in California. Um, I, I, you know, I want to be here to support our Texas people and people yeah. from the surrounding areas. So, you know, my my allegiance is here to this this event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for sure. Yeah, but we try to get out. You know, TFO has always been a proponent of of being at at these trade shows. Um, I think you, you need to be not only for the industry folks, but also for people that are new to fly fishing and then growing the sport. Yeah. You know, it's important to educate people and to be accessible to people and yeah. teach people what's going on yeah. and, you know, help people further their uh, endeavors into fly fishing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Well, and just like the way you guys connect with the, all these other nonprofits yeah. and stuff too. Yeah, we like to help people. And, you know, the fly fishing community is, is not some huge community, you know, but it's growing for sure. Yeah. yeah. But we like to help people and we like to see people be successful, yeah. you know, and that's the the mission of fly fishing. You know, sometimes you can get caught in the mix of things and, you know, what we're all here to do is go fishing and have a good time. Yeah. Yep. You know? So you got to keep that at heart always. You know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah. for being on. This yeah. Is, oh yeah, this is yeah. great. Yeah. Our, oh yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, um, we'll drop some links to my information. Oh yeah, we'll have yeah. a yeah. yeah. All yeah. of that will be in the description. Yeah. Cool, you know. And then um, yeah, that way you guys can go check out his music. Yeah, and we'll, we're we will have to like get a new <laughs> intro. I'm like hooked oh, yeah. on that now. Yeah. I got some slide guitar uh, riffs oh, I can bust dude. out for you guys. Yeah, that would be so Hell great. Yeah. We just need you and the Ford guy to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, I said it. I don't know if you want me to leak yeah. it now, but I mentioned maybe getting Thomas, Thomas. Flemons to, yeah. to voice it. He's, yeah. got, he's got that deep voice. That you know? voice for radio. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Make sure he's, he's he drank a little whiskey the night before, so it's a little gruff. A little, you know? a little yeah. horse. raspy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Great speaking with you. Bye.